Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. What is the Ready for the Draft podcast? It's a look inside my passion, which is the NFL draft, talent evaluation, college football, NFL team needs. We break it all down here at ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. Week seven of the college football season in the books. We will be talking all about it. Want to make sure that I, I bring to you the the rankings, you know, mid-season rankings for my defensive ends, defensive tackles. We've covered the uh, entire off, offensive side of the ball over the last couple of podcasts. Want to make sure we start addressing the defensive side of the ball where really we've got a stacked defensive side of the football for this NFL draft. I tell you what, uh, from from Nick Bosa to, to Ed Oliver, but there's there's depth at, uh, at both of those positions up front on the defensive side of the football. So we'll be making sure that we talk about that. Um, you know, the work that I've been putting in, I've been putting in quite a bit of work and I wish that this would have been, uh, you know, my, my, my day job, but, uh, you know, I've got another job to, to, to take care of, but, uh, still been able to put through 105 games through, uh, the seven weeks of the season. You'll hear me rifling through my notes. I've got a giant notepad of notes when I'm taking, uh, you know, uh, watching the game film. So a little old school when it comes to that. I have a giant, like I said, giant college-ruled notebook. You know, one of those, uh, um, you know, five, uh, what is it, five-subject um, college-ruled notebooks. And uh, almost made it all the way through this notebook already, and we're not even uh, into November yet. Um, but with the FBS teams, 130 FBS programs, I've gotten to watch one game um, from at least you know from 103 of those 130 teams, and, and really my goal by the end of the year is to have watched one game beginning to end for every FBS program, uh, and obviously sprinkle in a few FCS programs as well along the way. So uh, I'm well on my way to to making it there. Like I said, I just have 27 teams to go. So uh, as, as I go through the next few weeks, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can make that happen. But uh, a season ago, or I'm sorry, a week ago. You know, you're looking at uh, the, the quarterback position. You know, we've talked about my, my rankings with the quarterback class. And uh, really, Justin Herbert has solidified himself as the number one quarterback prospect. And to me, number two is Ryan Finley out of NC State. You know, model of consistency. He doesn't wow you with a big arm. But the, the anticipation, the accuracy, um, throwing his receivers open. To me, Ryan Finley is a guy who should be getting consideration for uh, for the first round. Now, the other three quarterbacks in my top five, Will Greer out of West Virginia, Drew Locke from Missouri, Jared Stidham out of Auburn, all had poor outings a season ago. I'm sorry, a week ago. And uh, that really you know, kind of hurt their draft stock a little bit. You know, as you look at things with each of these guys, Will Greer, um, you know, a big concern is, is, is he able to push the football down the field? Is he going to make the right decision? Um, you know, he held on to the football way too long against Iowa state, um, found himself rolling out way too often and, uh, you know, not really taking what the defense was giving him, you know, a lot of that secondary, um, you know, uh, coach Haycock and, and that, uh, that, that defense just doing a really great job, um, you know, forcing him to, you know, really, you know, trying to buy additional time and rather than, than get rid of the football, you know, he took a, took a few sacks and uh, West Virginia was upset by the Cyclones. Uh, Drew Locke, you know, this was my concern with, with him. Beginning of the year, 
up over 60% completion percentage for the first time in his career. And uh, everything was looking bright. He looked like he could very well be the number one quarterback prospect. Um, but if you heard me talk in last year's podcast, you know we talked about Josh Allen quite a bit. And Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback, not Josh Allen, the Kentucky linebacker. But uh, you know Josh Allen, the big knock on him for me was the fact that he couldn't complete 60% of his, his passes while at the collegiate level. You know, that's a big issue because if you can't complete 60% of your passes in college, what makes you believe that you'll be able to do that in in the pros? You just don't see that happen very often at all. And and that's really the concern that I have with Drew Locke. I look at Drew Locke and I see him as this year's version of Josh Allen. You know, a big, you know, quarterback. He's 6'4", 225 pounds, mobile, excellent arm, can push the ball down the field. But the problem is, is the accuracy. You know, his accuracy is dropping, you know, astronomically over the last couple of weeks, not even hitting 50% completion percentage. You saw that again against Alabama. You know, when you lose guys like like Emmanuel Hall and, and Nate Brown in, in the receiving core, that does tend to to wear on you just a little bit, you know, because you have to rely on a lot of younger guys. There's some freshmen that he's looking to have step up. His tight end, Alfred, uh, Albert uh, Owebunum. You know, he's seen a lot of, uh, you know, bracket coverage, um, a lot of guys that are playing underneath. Um, so it, it's a lot harder for him to get to uh, his, his number one why, uh, number one target without having Emmanuel Hall on the field. But, you know, to me, that's one of those things, you know, that, you know, differentiates you between the, the top quarterbacks and, and some of the other guys. You know, we'll talk about Justin Herbert here in just a little bit. You know, he tends to focus on one guy, and that's Dylan Mitchell. And if he's not open, that's where things kind of break down a little bit. Um, but to me, you know, even still, you look at the completion percentage, Justin Herbert, well over 60%, throws his receivers open. And to me, I just haven't seen that out of out of Drew Locke to this point. Then Jarrett Stidham, obviously, Auburn, with their third loss on the season, um, you know, it, it's one of those things. What are we going to be seeing out of out of uh, you know Jarrett Stidham? Just kind of an up and down season. You know, I, I've I've talked about him. You know, feeling you know looking very robotic. You know, just that that feel, not really. You know, the the feel for the game. You know, he was uh, you know threw for 322 yards with two touchdowns and uh, two interceptions on the day. Uh, 28 of 45. Um, you know, for me, you know, it was it's just an up and down up and down uh, game there against Tennessee, ultimately losing 30 to 24. But that up and down game and the up and down play, that's something that's plagued him the entire season. And, you know, at the end of the day, to me, do I want to use a first round pick on someone who's really been up and down uh, the way Jared Stidham has? The answer is no. Really, all three of these guys uh, don't really look like they're first round caliber quarterbacks. So what does that mean for someone like Dwayne Haskins? Ohio State. Well, here's the deal. You know these these other guys. You know they're throwing the football down the field with regularity, and uh, the deep ball accuracy can be you know questionable at times. You know I think Will Greer. You know people talk about the fact that he can't push the ball down the field. I've actually seen him push the ball down the field with accuracy. You know, I live here in Oklahoma City, and uh, you know living in in Big Twelve country, you get to watch quite a few of those games. And uh, you know Will Greer. Can put the ball down the field and and, and put it on a receiver with accuracy, um, but you know the decision making still is questionable. You look at Dwayne Haskins. Here's the deal, you know the, the the short short to intermediate routes very accurate. 
you know, just so accurate. He, you know, the, the anticipation, being able to throw his receivers open, hit them in stride, allow them to make plays you know, down the football field. You see it game in and game out. That's one of the things that regardless of who they're playing, regardless of the pressure that he's under, he's still able to, to execute. He's able to find the open man. He surveys the entire field, knows where he wants to go with the football, sometimes before the ball is even snapped. You know, that is one of his downsides, though, because he's already predetermined where he's going to go with the football, regardless of what happens with the defense, that's going to get him into trouble at the next level. So Dwayne Haskins, to me, you know, he, he's moving up the board, but you know, it's more so not, not necessarily because he's a guy that I'm convinced it should be a first round pick, but he's more so, you know, because of the, some of these other guys are faltering a little bit as the season wears on playing against better competition, you know, and, and Dwayne Haskins, you know, by almost by default is kind of moving up the boards. Um, you know, the, the thing I still haven't seen Dwayne Haskins throw the ball down the field with regularity, um, you know, and, and be accurate with the football. Here's the deal. Most of his passes down the football field are to wide open receivers. You know, that's that's basically seven on seven style. You know, I, I would hope that he'd be able to hit a receiver in stride uh, 40 yards down the field, um, you know, when he's wide open. I want to see some of those contested catches, you know, especially when he's under pressure, you know, and has uh, has a defender in his face. You know, that's really where you want to see, you know, under duress, you know, plays that are being made under duress. That's something that you saw from Baker Mayfield, something that you saw from Sam Darnold. That's why they were top five picks. You know, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, to me, should come back for his redshirt junior season. Um, as a redshirt sophomore, yes, he could come out and enter the draft, but you know, it's one of those things, you look at Cardell Jones. You know, Cardell Jones had the three games, um, you know, ultimately uh, taking Ohio State um, you know, to the promised land, but then after that, you know, he, he wound up having, you know, having his struggles when he came back to Ohio State, had a full season under his belt. You know, for me, you know, this is only his, his seventh start, uh, of the season against Minnesota a week ago. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, he needs to have some more time to, to fully develop, to be able to see the different, you know, different styles of defense, to be able to, uh, show that he can make plays under duress, that he can push the football down the field with regularity. Um, but I'll tell you the future is bright for this kid. You know, I remember, uh, you know, when Cal played USC, uh, all those years ago against, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers taking on the Trojans. He went 25 of 25 before throwing his first incompletion. And most of those passes were the short to intermediate routes, but just that accuracy, the pinpoint um, accuracy to put the ball on his receiver, allow him to get up the field and make plays. You know, not many of, of Dwayne Haskins' passes are going past 10 to 15 yards. He's hitting his receivers, allowing them to make the plays, you know, hitting those playmakers where they need to be. And, and that's something that you know, you, you can't, you can, you can't really teach, you know, it, it's just, you know, he, he, the, the ability to do that game in and game out, regardless of the competition um, is something to keep an eye on for sure at the quarterback position, running backs. Look, David Montgomery, I, I said he was my number one guy. He's done nothing um, to dissuade me from, you know, having him stay at the top of my rankings. You know, he comes back from being hurt, has a great game against West Virginia. Uh, just that that lateral, uh, you know, uh, the lateral cuts, you know, his ability to, to make you miss in the hole. Um, he makes his cuts and doesn't lose any speed. And I think that's one of the things that you really want to see from a guy. You know, he also has excellent hands in the in the passing game. To me, David Montgomery, number one running back in this draft class. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Daryl Hen- uh, uh, 
Daryl Henderson out of Memphis, you know, the 5'9", 200-pound junior, so explosive, over 1,000 yards rushing already. You know, Look for him to enter the draft. You know, I'd be surprised if he doesn't um, because he'll be riding high off of a huge year this year. And here's the deal. This is a guy who, who runs through contact. You know, he runs really hard. And then once he gets into the open field, he's very dynamic, has excellent speed and uh, you know, excellent hands on the outside. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about a guy who can make, you know, 20, 30, 40 yard plus, you know, plus yard runs, you know, last year it was, uh, was Bryce Love, this year, Daryl Henderson. If you haven't seen Memphis play yet, make sure you tune in and watch. The other running back, you know, to, to talk about it is Karan Higdon out of Michigan. You know, I have to put him into my top 10. You know, this was a guy to me, I looked at him primarily a downhill guy, one cut and go, but a guy who just continues to get better as the game goes on. You know, just wears down defenses. You know, he's someone, you know, is, is he much of a factor in the passing game? Not really. You know, when you watch Shea Patterson, that ball is not going to, to Karan Higdon. You know, they a lot of times they'll rotate him out and have someone else in the backfield when uh, when they're throwing the ball. But uh, Higdon has definitely proven himself as a guy who can be that workhorse for for a team, someone who, uh, you know, can get a lot of those, those tough yards and uh, you know what? If if he gets a crease heading downhill, gets a full head of steam. Watch out. Receivers. You know Paris Campbell. I thought he definitely helped himself this week. You know definitely proved that he can uh, be in the upper echelon of these receivers. You know put him into my top ten. You know Paris Campbell. I've been waiting for him. You know all these years. Everyone's been talking about all the talent that he has, and yes, you know he has all of that speed. But I wanted to see what he could do out on the football field. Is he going to be able to put everything together? And he's finally doing that in this, uh, you know, this is his final season there at Ohio State. Another receiver to keep an eye on is Dylan Mitchell. You know, I think he's proving that he belongs in the discussion, you know, among the top receivers. Um, as I said, he's Justin Herbert's favorite target, but there's a reason why. This is a guy who is so dynamic after the catch. It's very elusive to make the first man miss. The route running and uh, his, his vertical um, ability to stretch the defenses vertically. Um, you know, I think that allows him to be a versatile target potentially at the next level. And then finally, you know, the, the tight end position, you know, Mitchell Wilcox, you know, he, he's someone who I think is, is kind of creeping up to be another one of those juniors who could end up uh, entering the draft. You know, I think I've got five or six juniors at the top of my tight end board, and uh, I'm going to have to add another one there in, in, in Mitchell Wilcox. Um, you know, when they when UCF took on on Tulsa. You know, he was definitely a weapon who could stretch the defenses. Got down the seam, and there was a perfect pass by by Blake Barnett. Put it right over his shoulder. He did an excellent job tracking the ball, and, and you know made you know, pretty much full extension to to make the catch. But the fact that he was able to get the ball, you know, a good 40, 45 yards down the field, you know, shows that he he has the ability to stretch the defense. Also, a pretty good blocker, inline blocker as well. So Mitchell Mitchell Wilcox definitely moving up the boards. Uh, offensive line, the one guy that I'm going to talk about is Tyler Bowling. You know, I talked about him last week, uh, 6'6", 327 pounds out of Tulsa, playing against USF. And I'll tell you what, you know, Tulsa had a commanding lead over over the Bulls for three quarters. And towards the end of the third quarter, uh, Tyler Bowling goes down to a leg injury. And that running game, you know, just was not going anywhere. Shamari Brooks really struggled to get things going. That ultimately let the, the Bulls back into the game, wound up winning 25-24. A lot of that, you know, um, you know, came really, in my opinion, came down to the fact that Tyler Bowling wasn't out there on the field. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch him play, Make sure you tune in and watch Tulsa. It sounds like he's day-to-day. He should be okay. Um, 
But uh, I know that a lot of NFL you know programs are going to be taking a look at his film against Ed Oliver, where he more than held his own. You know, whenever Ed Oliver was lined up against uh, Tyler Bowling, uh, more often than not, Tyler got the best of him. You know, and really, Ed Oliver wanted to line up against the the center and uh, the right guard. That's really where he made most of his damage uh, playing the Golden Hurricane. So Tyler Bowling, to me, I think he proved that he deserves to be in my top five, top six uh, offensive guards in this draft. So last week, top ten took a huge, huge hit. Uh, four top ten um, programs, you know, went down. Um, you know, you obviously you had number two, Georgia, you know, uh, losing a, a heartbreaker there. You know, they, they just really couldn't get things going against LSU, um, lose their first game of the season, um, you know, final 36, 16, uh, against LSU. We'll talk about that game here in a minute. Um, you know, obviously, uh, West Virginia going down to Iowa State, 30-14. to 14, The Brock Purdy show, telling you what, that's a, a name to watch out for. That's the number three quarterback, mind you, but a kid who I think is going to be that starter there in, uh, in Ames for quite a while. Uh, Washington, number seven, you know, going down to, to Oregon, 30-27 to 27 in overtime. Um, you know, a couple of e- evenly matched teams, you know, going down to the wire. Uh, Washington now, um, you know, after the loss to Auburn, they're 5-2. and two. Um, You know, Oregon pretty much in the driver's seat there for the Pac-12 North. Penn State, number eight team in the country, going down to Michigan State, 21-17. to 17. Uh, Felton Davis, the hero, uh, catching a touchdown pass in the final minute. So uh, you saw, you know, four teams in the top ten all go down, uh, and then you know, teams, uh, undefeated teams, uh, you know, in addition to Georgia and West Virginia, number nineteen Colorado going down to USC, uh, thirty-one to twenty. They've never beaten the Trojans. Uh, went into into LA. USC played three great quarters, uh, and then finally had to kind of you know scrounge away to. Um, to win that game at the end, uh, but they did end up pulling out the victory, thirty-one to twenty, handing the Buffs their very first loss of the season. Also had some narrow wins, you know. So let's let's also talk about those. I mean, you're looking at uh, you know the the weekend started off with USF um, struggling against Tulsa. They were down for the majority of this game, end up coming back to win twenty-five twenty-four. Um, you know what? Who else do we have? You know, Ohio State didn't look all that impressive against Minnesota. Um, they they sputtered out of the gate a little bit. Um, you know, it was a, a seventeen to, to fourteen game there at the half, and uh, wound up winning thirty to fourteen. Minnesota had their opportunities and couldn't capitalize. Um, you know, is there a blueprint for for beating Ohio State? You know, keep an eye on on what uh, what Minnesota was able to do. They were put in pressure. Um, you know, I, I think Isaiah Prince was definitely exposed in that game. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit. Notre Dame, number five in the country, nineteen fourteen against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doing everything they could to uh, to ultimately upend the the Irish, but uh, Irish with a touchdown there in the fourth quarter to ultimately pull out the win. Gosh, look at all these teams. You know, the parody is it's unreal. Texas, number nine in the country, going up against Baylor at home. And uh Charlie Brewer, you know, throwing to the back of the end zone, um, ultimately sails that over over uh, everybody's head that ultimately um clinches the victory for the Longhorns again, twenty-three to seventeen. UCF. Man, you want to talk about an exciting game against Memphis. Whew. You know, uh 
Memphis pretty much looked in control of this game for the majority. You know, they were up uh, 30 to 17 at the half, and uh, you know, the Golden Knights still found a way to win. You know, scored a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns in in the you know the second half, including one in uh, in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, um, able to eke out a win there. Um, Florida against Vanderbilt. You know, they were down 21-13 at the half. Uh, Commodores. Um, you know, really were a different team offensively without Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, their explosive running back. Um, you know, so, you know, then obviously Auburn going down to Tennessee, 30 to 24. Um, you know, Jared Guarantano having a pretty good day, 21 to 32, 328 yards and a couple of scores. Texas A&M against South Carolina, you know, the 22 ranked Aggies, 26-23 final. Um, you know, I've you know, it, it, so it, you're talking about some, you know, just excellent college football. You know, just you know the exciting games back and forth. Um, you know, thing games down to the wire. I mean, Virginia against Miami. Um, you know, sixteen thirteen. Um, you know, winners there in uh, uh, in Virginia at Scott Stadium. You know, they're able to go ahead and, and take down the Hurricanes, and then Michigan. Man, number 12 ranked Michigan Wolverines just throttling the Wisconsin Badgers 38-13. Don Brown's defense. I think that was really the, um, you know, what uh, what stood out more than anything else, um, you know, especially watching that game. I mean, you know, what, what they were able to do, um, you know, you really saw, you know, 183 yards on the ground, just 100 yards passing. They really got to and, and rattled Alex Hornibrook. Um, you know, who really, you know, struggles in, in a lot of the bigger, you know, the bigger games. And uh, you definitely saw that um, on Saturday night. So kind of got through some of those things. You know, here's another thing to, to keep in mind. Buffalo, you know, the, the Buffalo Bulls, you know, um, they're in, in the MAC. Uh, they have some pro prospects. You know, we've talked about them, you know, quite a bit on on the podcast but, uh, you know, the Bulls, once again, victorious. And, uh, you know, the first time since the 1950s, you know, they're 6-1. They're, they're already uh, bowl eligible. But, you know, 6-1, six, six uh, first 6-1 start since 1959, led by Tyree Jackson, the quarterback. Um, Anthony John- They're doing all this with Anthony Johnson, their, their top receiver, um, you know, hampered by a, by a leg injury. Um but so if you haven't gotten a chance to watch the Buffalo Bulls, definitely tune in. A uh, lot of fun to watch there as well. Um, you know, and then obviously we're talking about all of these other teams. There's Alabama made quick work of, of Missouri, but there was a collective just hush that fell um, over Bryant Denny Stadium there in Tuscaloosa when uh, Tua uh, Tongavailoa, the Heisman front runner, uh, makes a slide. You know, just running for a you know nine yard gain. Uh, middle of the field opened up. He took off for a run, slid down. You know, like I said, it was a nine nine yard gain, and uh, you know, tweaked his knee. You know, tweaked his knee in practice and tweaked it a little bit more. And uh, you know, that that's one of the things that you have to worry about. You know, will Bama even start him against Tennessee? You know, I, I think there's a, a a good chance that we won't see Tua in that game. I think Jalen Hurts has enough talent to be able to lead Bama to victory. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. So, you know, what I want to do is, is kind of walk through what I saw last week, 
there were 13 games that I broke down, 13 games that I was keeping an eye on, um, some guys that I'm really wanting to keep an eye out for um, as we get through the, the pre-draft process. Um, first game that I watched, Georgia Southern and Texas State. 15-13 uh, winners there for, for Georgia Southern running the triple option. Um, you know, Paul Johnson made famous there. Won a couple of FCS titles, uh, 1999 and 2000. Um, you know, to me, the, the the guys that I was really watching, um, you know, they're they're most of them are juniors. To be honest with you, uh, Brian London, the the linebacker there for Texas State, uh, 11 tackles in the game, a tackle for loss, fumble um, fumble recovery as well. 6'2", 232 pounds. The junior linebacker, very active. Uh, I think he's averaging nine and um, almost 10 tackles a game, 9.7 to be exact. Uh, but very quick, uh, you know, playing inside out, quick to diagnose plays, um, getting downhill in a hurry. Um, you know, I thought that he moved very well laterally, did a good job getting outside. Um, you know, that's one of the things with a lot of those, the, the triple option. Can you get outside? Can you force the run back in uh, to where you have some help? Uh, Brian London was able to do that. And then uh, Monquavian Vincent for uh, Georgia Southern, 5'11", 180-pound junior uh, cornerback. He was a defensive player of the week the week before, seven tackles, a pass breakup, and an interception against South Alabama. Um you know, he's, he's an edge defender. You know, I think he's someone who has some, some pretty good ball skills, um, someone to keep an eye out for, um, for the, the 2020 draft. And then here's a name that uh, Oklahoma State fans are, are definitely going to recognize. Uh, grad transfer, Keenan Brown, uh, tight end, 6'3", 250 pounds. What's interesting is he, he's, you know, again, grad transfer from, from Oklahoma State. Uh, leads the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. 23 receptions, 346 yards, and uh, four touchdowns coming into the game. Um, you know, a guy who definitely runs well uh, after the catch, finds the voids in the zone. Um, he was splitting out. He was in the in in the slot. Um, you know, quite a bit. Uh, actually, took a jet sweep around the edge, hit the hole, and I thought he was gone. It was actually caught by Vincent. Um, you know, four yards short of the end zone, but a 61 yard run. Uh, for Keenan Brown, you know, and and I I think you know what he's been able to do at, at Texas State is really showcase his athleticism, and, and it's one of those things to where I don't th- you know I don't think he's big enough to be a tight end, but could he be an H back? Could he be a fullback? Um, you know, that's one of the things that you know there are some traditional fullbacks that are making it in the league, and that's something that I, I think he might be able to make a home, possibly as a second tight end. Um, he's someone else that you can definitely split out, and he, he's one something someone to kind of keep an eye on um, throughout this draft prospect uh, process. He's not going to be a guy who's going to get drafted. Um, you know, but I think he could be a priority free agent, someone who could be an undrafted guy who could end up making a program, um, um, an organization when it's all said and done. Next game, we talked about it a little bit here, South Florida and Tulsa, um, you know, South Florida pulling out the victory 25 to 24, uh, talked a little bit about my guy, um, you know, Tyler Bowling, the left guard. Big kid, you know, that's one of the things that really stands out. You don't see guys like that at Tulsa very often. Uh, you know, very tight pull, you know, coming around the edge, um, buried uh, the defensive end, Greg Reeves, you know, when he was coming around off the edge. Um, you know, he does get a little bit out of control, you know, coming downhill at times. Uh, needs to kind of watch that a little bit. But, uh, you know, I thought the athleticism was athleticism was definitely on display um, as he was pulling around the edge. Um so I, I thought that was something that, that really stood out. Excellent hand usage, does a great job there. You know, blocked down on a defensive tackle, 
then was able to climb out to the linebacker, basically drove that linebacker back, you know, for another five yards. Um, so definitely someone who plays with a little bit of a mean streak, someone who's very fun to watch. So if you get a chance to tune into Tulsa, guy that you definitely have to tune in and, and, uh, and watch a little bit, Tyler Bowling. Um, Mitchell Wilcox, like I said, 6'5", 245-pound tight end for South Florida. Definitely a weapon up the seam. Um, you know, showed a, you know, a good uh, route running ability, running a slant from the slot. Good catch and run there. Um, soft hands, I thought, you know, um, in the passing game. Um, blocking on the edge, you know, he, he tried to seal off, off the edge rusher, but, uh, defensive end was able to slip the block a little bit, drop the running back, um, for a little gain. Um, but, uh, I, I think he's one of the better blockers when it's all said and done, um, here in this draft class, you know, Tyree McCants, um, 5'11", 240 pound wide receiver. Yes. I said that right. 5'11", 240 pound receiver. This guy looks like a fullback, but when you watch him out on the edge, he he makes plays like a receiver. It's just so athletic, um, does a great job making guys miss out on the perimeter. He's big, he's physical, he's a load to bring down. Um, you know, does he have a home at the next level? That's really going to be the question. Um, you know, I think he's done enough. You know, eight receptions, ninety-one yards in the game. Um, you know, what I want to see from Tyree McCants is, you know, what's he going to be able to run? Is he going to be able to showcase, you know, some speed? Is he going to be able to run, you know, in the four, 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 five range? Um, if he's going to be running anywhere lower, uh, slower than that, then I think he's going to have a hard time making an NFL team. Um, uh, Mitchell Wilcox, you know, five, uh, stat line there, five catches, 95 yards to lead the Bulldog, uh, the, the Bulls in that game. Uh, Jordan Cronkite, the running back there at USF, um, 5'11", 207-pound junior. He was a Florida transfer a uh, week before, 23 carries, 302 yards, three touchdowns against UMass. Um, you know, had a 66-yard touchdown run um, in the in the second half. You know, basically found a cutback lane to his right, hit the hole, and was pretty much gone. Just ran untouched um, into the end zone. And that's really what um, what he's been able to do uh, week in and week out is those big play runs. Um, that's really what he was doing against UMass. All those runs um, for touchdown were uh, over 60 yards. Um, let's see, who else can we talk about? Uh, Ronnie Hoggins, the, the cornerback out of, uh, out of USF, 5'8", 177 pounds. Not the biggest guy, but I think he might, might have a chance to stick on an NFL roster as a nickelback. Um, did a great job uh, trailing the back hip of a receiver on a dig route, was able to get his hand in to knock the ball away. Um, you know, 34th consecutive start, you know, definitely a durable guy, um, but, you know, just does a good job reading defenses or reading, uh, reading routes, uh, closes quickly on on the football, does a good job attacking the football while it's in the air. Some pretty good ball skills. I think he's a guy, like I said, could be a nickelback. You know, I think um, you know, when you think of him, think of uh, Nikel Roby Coleman uh, when he was coming out of USC. Uh, Roby Coleman now with the Rams, started his NFL career with the Bills. Uh, and one last name just to mention, uh, well, two guys. Uh, we've got a junior junior linebacker, uh, Cooper Edmiston, and uh, Zaven Collins, a, a freshman linebacker. Um, you know, Edmiston is 6'3", 237 pounds, leads the team in, uh, in tackles, interceptions, forced fumbles, um, just a very active, uh, active defender. And then, uh, Collins, you know, he's, he's the explosive guy. He gets off the edge, um, just so athletic, uh, so athletic, um, you know, you, that's something that really just jumps off the, off the, the video. And, uh, he's, he's, a 
an athletic talent that you just haven't seen there at Tulsa in, in, in quite a while. Um, you know, so I think both of those guys have a chance to to make it at the next level. Edmiston more so because you know he's he's an intelligent player with a high football IQ. Zaven Collins, he's got the athleticism, um, you know, right now as a freshman to hopefully propel him uh, to the next level in a couple of years. So we got through Friday. Let's talk about Saturday. Let's see what we got going on here. Northwestern and Nebraska. Everyone, I think, was pulling for uh, for Nebraska in this game. If you weren't a Northwestern fan, uh, Evan Field there in uh, Evanston, uh, Illinois, if, if you weren't in that stadium wearing red, um, you know, then uh, obviously you're pulling for for the the Wildcats. But everybody else. Um, was pulling for Nebraska. Um, you know, the first time they've gone, you know, 0 6, you know, 0 4 in, in Big Ten play thus far. Um, you know, Scott uh, Scott Frost just struggling to get anything going. You know, Nebraska, you know, they they had 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 a lead. They really had this game and kind of let it get away from them. Um, you know, they were actually up 31 21 with 5:41 to play. And uh, Northwestern, you know, was able to to put up you know ten points to tie the game up, and then ultimately Drew Luckenbaugh, um, I believe that was his first game, because um, I I believe the the first field goal that he that he hit uh, was the first field goal make, um, hit an overtime uh, field goal to win it for the Wildcats, um, but taking a look at that game, you know, um, Clayton Thorson, you know, he's. You know the the stat that they showed in the game that I thought was interesting. The only Big Ten quarterback with two games with uh, at least 350 yards passing. Uh, I, th- I think Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, finally added his name to that list. But you know the thing with Clayton Thorson is, is you have to take the good with the bad with him right now. Um, you know he threw 41 of 64, 455 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Three touchdowns with two interceptions. You know the thing with Clayton Thorson for me, he's got to cut down on those interceptions. Um, just you know make some some good decisions, um, but a lot of throws off of off of his back foot. You know if, if we can really get him um, to to stop retreating and, and really step into a lot of his throws, he has the the makeup to be uh, an NFL quarterback. It's just that's one of the things that I worry for him is is you know can we get him moving forward more so than moving back? Um, you know Blake Hance, the left tackle there at, at Northwestern, six five, three hundred and ten pounds. I talked about him a few weeks ago. Um, you know I think he shows really good feet mirroring defensive ends um you know really good knee uh knee bend very balanced keeps his arms um you know his hands underneath the pad level and uh, does a really good job there the problem is is this guy just gets walked back uh really lacks a lower body strength uh to really anchor he's got to work on on that that trunk um you know to be able to to hold himself at the point of attack you know, if you start to get pushed back, be able to reset your feet and be able to redirect the defensive end. And really, he has not been able, uh, was not able to do that much in uh, the game there against Nebraska. Uh, just repeatedly driven back um, off the ball. Um, but he's still a guy, like I said, the athleticism is there. He's someone that if, if a team wants to take a chance on him, um, you know, fifth, sixth round, possibly even a, you know, as a uh, priority free agent. But somebody that you can put in there, put on your practice squad, let them get a little bit stronger, and uh, I think you might have a player there. Uh, definitely a guy who's playing on Sundays is Montre Hardage at a uh, you know six foot, 195 pounds, the corner, you know in phase with Stanley Morgan down the field, no separation whatsoever. 
Um, you know, just really was making Stanley Morgan's life miserable um, because he was right there on his hip, um, you know, knifed in uh, underneath uh, a wide receiver block to trip up the quarterback after only a couple of yard gain. Um, zone coverage came downhill, took out, uh, you know, um, Divina Zigbo's legs shy of the first down marker. Um, just has a really good feel um, playing against the run. Excellent open field tackler. Uh, to me, I think Montre Hardage, probably a, an early day three pick right now, uh, but someone who I think uh, can definitely make an NFL roster. Um, so congratulations to Pat Fitzgerald and, and Northwestern. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, Scott Frost, I think they play Illinois this week. Hopefully that'll be the the game where you know, where Nebraska can, can finally get off, uh, get off this, this goose egg. Talked about Buffalo taking on Akron. 24-6 was the final uh, playing at UB Stadium in Buffalo, New York. I wanted to tune into this game more than anything else to watch Khalil Hodge and Ulysses Gilbert III, two of my favorite linebackers in all of college football. You know, Khalil Hodge, um, you know, 150 tackles, um, you know, a guy who plays well, um, you know, sideline to sideline, um, just really, you know, uh, you know, 12 tackles in this game, one and a half tackles for loss, uh, quarterback hurry, um, you know, a, a guy who does a great job getting off blocks, scrapes over the top and, uh, you know, makes a lot of plays against the run. Um, you know, I think if there's a knock on him, it's, it's, you know, dropping into coverage. He does a good job blitzing the quarterback, but I think it's, it, it's coverage where he's going to have to show that, that he has the hips required to be able to, uh, to be a three down linebacker at the next level. One thing that Ulysses Gilbert does not have to worry about uh, six tackles in this game, a pass breakup. You know, one one of the things that I've noticed that Akron's doing is they put him uh, in the slot. He's mostly out on the perimeter uh, this season, playing a lot in the slot, and uh, you know he's, he's he runs a four five forty. Um, you know, just so athletic, um, just seems to be always around the football, making plays. Um, you know, if I take a look at my my notes, you know, a couple of, of defensive touchdowns, you know, on the year. Uh, you know, does make some false steps in coverage. You know, that's one of the things that he's going to have to work on. You know, um, you know, gets fooled at times, especially with the play action. Um, you know, playing against the run does a good job downhill, getting into the hole, wraps up well, driving through the uh, the ball carrier. You know, and what's crazy is he had those 146 tackles um, a, a season ago, and he's playing with a separated shoulder. Um, you know, to me, when I watch watch him play, he's a guy who, to me, I, I think has. Um, has the ability to to make an NFL roster, and uh, Ulysses Gilbert the third, um, definitely a name that that people should be should be very familiar with. Uh, Khalil Hodge, like I said, you know, tackle machine, 358 career tackles in three seasons there with the Buffs, uh, or I'm sorry, with the Bulls. Uh, really a sideline to sideline player. Um, you know, does a good job, like I said, you know, scraping over the top. You know, hits holes hard and and does a great job wrapping up. Um, you know, blitzing off the edge, you know, able to get inside the, the right tackle um, block to pursue the quarterback. Uh, Cato Nelson um, does a good job downhill, you know, comes untouched. But the thing with it is a lot of a lot of guys that come untouched, it's almost like that's the the, uh, the pass that's thrown to them. That's, that's when when a receiver is wide open. You, know, you don't want to drop the football. In this case, you don't want to be made to look silly out in the open field. Just break down, square up your man and drive through the ball carry. And that's exactly what Khalil Hodge does. Um, you know, Anthony Johnson, the receiver, like I said, you know, uh, you know, over 1300 yards a season ago, um, 6'2", 209 pound, uh, senior 
battling the ham uh, the hammy you know a hamstring injury i think he got a, they they said at the the telecast you know 20 to 25 snaps um you know hadn't played in the last two and a half games um but one of the things that uh you know you saw was the the, the body control you know he ha- he did have two catches for 40 what was it uh da, 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 44 yards you know and, and you know one of those you know uh, showed the ability um up the sideline the body control to adjust to the football in the air haul in um let's see what was it I'm trying to remember the play um uh, reading my my notes here but uh th- yeah oh i remember you know only had one hand free and was able to haul it in with his with his left arm pinned it to his body, 25 yard gain down the football field, um, you know basically boxed out the cornerback and uh, was able to you know to put himself between the the, the ball and the defender. Um, showed a pretty good job you know as a perimeter blocker on the edge, um, and, and showed a good job you know with a little bit of a burst you know separating out of his uh, out route. But the thing with hamstring injuries is you know as everyone knows that's something that could plague him for the entire season. He's going to struggle to uh, to stay healthy, um, so I think they're kind of easing him back just a little bit. And then obviously Tyree Jackson, six seven, two hundred forty five pounds. Um, you know, 57% completion percentage, um, you know, is, is definitely a concern. Seven touchdowns, though, only four interceptions. This guy has only been sacked once um, this entire season. And you see the athleticism. You know, he, he tore his knee up and, uh, you know, hasn't been quite the, the mobile quarterback. But I think you're starting to see glimpses again. Um, you know, he was getting outside the pocket, was able to uh, throw on the run, you know, busting off, you know, 15, 16, 17-yard gains as well. Um, you know, the, the big arm, you know, can throw the ball, you know, 40 plus yards down the football field, um, you know, was backpedaling, throwing off of, uh, off of his back foot, still making throws, accurate throws down the football field. Um, you know, the decision-making is, is questionable at times, but, uh, you know, to me, you know, Tyree Jackson is someone who you definitely have to keep an eye on just because he's a developmental guy. He needs some work, but someone who I think is definitely worth, uh, taking a chance on. Uh, two other guys to keep an eye on for Akron, the Zips. Uh, you know, Jamal Davis, 6'4", 240 pounds. Edge rusher, uh, explosive off the ball, able to get inside um, the tackle. Uh, I'm sorry, the tight end block. Uh, dropped a running back for the loss in, in the backfield. Um, able to split double teams uh, at, at times. Speed to power, able to drive guys back into the backfield. Um, a, a guy who could potentially be an outside linebacker at the next level. And then Kyron Brown, a 6'1", 195 pounds. He's another prospect. Um, you know, tight coverage, uh, especially on the back shoulder throw. Um, can be a lockdown corner on the outside. Uh, breaks on the ball well. Uh, does a good job, um, you know, staying in phase with the receiver. Um, you know, but he, he's a guy who... You know, really against Buffalo, he he wasn't burned too. Um, you know, wasn't really burned. He didn't really see the ball thrown his way. Uh, they're throwing to the opposite side more than anything else. But he's a guy who who does take some chances. Uh, can be aggressive at times. And uh, you know, the 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 biggest thing for me with him is the hips. How stiff are those hips? You know, can he uh, get in and out of his breaks quickly? That's really where things you know where you can get exposed at the next level. And that's something that he's going to have to show that he has the hips that's going to be required to play corner at the next level. I mentioned Florida, 37-27 winners against Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn uh, was just so explosive. 
you know, seven carries, 58 yards, uh, had a reception for 75 yards and a touchdown. He goes out with an undisclosed injury, but uh, the Illinois transfer, I'll tell you, you know, had he stayed in that game the entire season or the entire game, he may not, you know, we may not be talking about Florida, um, you know, getting away with a, a, a victory there at Vanderbilt Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, definitely a, a guy to keep uh, keep watch for. I keep talking about keeping an eye on guys, but you know these are these are some of the guys that uh, you have to uh, have to know their name because they're going to be popping up um, over the next year. Um, you know, Kalijah Lipscomb. You know, when you talk about receivers, you know, and who's who's the top receiver in the SEC? You probably say Jerry Judy. You probably say Emmanuel Hall. Um, a lot of other guys that that you can name off, but it's actually you know, Kalijah Lipscomb as the leading receiver in the SEC, a speedy guy, um, you know, does a pretty good job, you know, catching in, catching the ball in traffic, a very reliable target, 6'1", 201-pound junior, um, someone who I think is going to be um, counted upon here over the next couple of years, you know, this year and next uh, for Vandy. Um, really, Florida, it was all about the defensive side of the football. Uh, you know, Ja'Kai Polite, 6'2", 242-pound junior, just so explosive, you know, able to dip his shoulder, um, get to the edge um, with regularity. You know, I think that's one of the things that you definitely saw was the, the leverage, his ability to, to bend, bends very well, the flexibility to, to get low, uh, get underneath the, uh, the offensive tackles block and get into the backfield in a hurry. You know, being able to, to flip his hips and, uh, and turn the corner and get to that edge in a, um, you know, very quickly and then flatten out, get to the quarterback, make a play on the football. Uh, Vassan, uh, Joseph, uh, 6'1", 238 pounds, uh, the junior, um, you know, very active linebacker. You know, someone who I think you definitely have to keep an eye on, um, you know, downhill, um, gets downhill in a hurry versus the run wraps up very well in the hole, um, had a personal foul penalty you know, on sportsmanlike conduct, picked up the tight end and basically suplexed him, you know, WWE style. And, uh, you know, there was a, an issue. Basically, the bench is cleared um, towards the end of the second quarter. Ultimately, Dan Mullen and Derek Mason, uh, the two head coaches, you know, ultimately yelling at each other out on the field following, um, you know, a, a targeting penalty. It looked like uh, Derek Mason was yelling at... Uh, um, he, he said that he was, he was someone else, uh, that there was a player for Florida that was yelling at him. It looked like it was Kyrie Campbell. Um, you know, if you watch the, the film, it looks like it was, it was Kyrie Campbell 55, um, that was yelling at, at Derek Mason. Derek Mason said something back to him. Um, then you saw Todd Grantham getting into things and, and Dan Mullen ultimately trying to get Derek Mason, um, back to his sideline because, you know, Todd Grantham was getting hot, but you could read lips and he was saying, worry about your own players, um, you know, with a few expletives thrown in there as well. And, uh, you know, it looked like Vanderbilt, you know, the team was, was coming to rally uh, around their head coach. Um, so crazy scene there at the end of the first half. Um, but because there was unsportsmanlike conduct penalties called on both teams, Fasan Leonard, because he, or Fasan uh, Joseph, because he was on the Florida team, ultimately got ejected. Kind of a crazy scene there a little bit. Um, let's see, you know, Van Jefferson, someone who we could be talking about as, as one of the better receivers in college football next year, 6'2", 193 pounds, um, really the, their best weapon in the passing game there for the Gators. Um, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, again, showing why he's, he's the leader of the Florida secondary, one of the better cor- uh, safeties in the, 
uh, in the country, someone who's going to be talked about in the, uh, you know, probably a second day pick. Um, Jabari Zuniga, uh, 6'4", 257-pound junior defensive end. Um, you know, he, he's someone who uh, could get to the quarterback as a defensive end, but really, you know, they moved him inside uh, to the defensive tackle position, Todd Grantham, um, really allowing him kind of a NASCAR type type uh, type defense there on third downs, rushing the passer, able to beat the interior lineman and, and put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, and then offensively, Martez Ivy, uh, 6'5", 306 pounds. He's playing tackle. He's going to be a guard at the next level. Um, I think he can bend in his knees, show some decent leverage. Um, but I, I think, you know, what he struggles with at times is is speed. Um, you know, showed good awareness to pick up a blitzing linebacker off the edge. Um, but uh, to me, I, I just don't see him, you know, having the, the foot speed to be able to handle um, edge rushers uh, at the next level. Ohio State and Minnesota, 30 to 27 was the final. Uh, Minnesota, I'll tell you what, they've got a guy on this team, Carter Coughlin, uh, seven tackles, two uh, two sacks, three total tackles for loss. Uh, another guy who can just you know you know run for days. You know, a high motor guy, but uh, the flexibility, you know, the explosiveness off the football, his ability to dip that inside shoulder, bend right around the edge, get to the quarterback. Um, you know, did a good job also faking you know faking inside, looping around, um, bending around outside. Um, you know, then he fake outside and shoot back inside. So some versatile pass rush moves there for, for Carter Coughlin. Um, but you know, look, you know, the, the, I, I think he's probably the best, um, pro prospect there for Minnesota. He and, and Tyler Johnson, the receiver, you know, who's 6'2", 200 pounds, um, you know, an explosive, explosive receiver on the outside. You know, when you think of, of receivers, you don't really think of, of Minnesota too much. Um, you know, but you know, 413 receiving yards and six touchdowns coming into the game. Um, had eight receptions, 119 yards. Did lose a fumble uh, in in the game, a costly fumble for for the Gophers. But uh, you know, showed the ability to to separate from from defensive backs. Um, was able to to beat uh, Kendall Sheffield. Um, you know, a, a, a bit. You know, and. Uh, you know, the ability, like I said, sinking his hips. You know, he's a bigger receiver, but able to sink his hips and and create that separation in in his routes. You know, I think that's something that you definitely uh, definitely want to see. Um, you know, from a guy like Tyler Johnson. But Ohio State, you know, let's let's not get it twisted. Ohio State has all of the the pro prospects. Look, one guy who definitely saw his draft stock take a hit that was Jordan Fuller, the safety, uh, 6'2", 204 pounds. Um, man. Uh, just really, you know, out of position, you know, taking poor angles, got run over by by Ibrahim, the running back at the second level. And, uh, you know, just seemed to, you know, there are a lot of plays, a lot of bad game tape for Jordan Fuller in this game. Uh, Damon Arnett, the cornerback, six foot, 195 pound junior. You know, you watch him play. And the more that I watch him play, the more I like, uh, you know, his in bail technique. Um, it was a five yard stop route. Um, he took an extra step before breaking back to the quarterback. Um, you know, which ultimately you know led to a, a completion right in front of him. But uh, he comes up very physical in run support. You know, I, I you know I think what he also what you see from him is being able to break quickly on the football. Uh, the ball skills are evident. You know, able to run in phase with the receiver. Excellent hips. Um, you know, to me, I think he's probably the third cornerback. A lot of people have Kendall Sheffield rated higher. Look, to me, Kevin Kendall Sheffield. I think I've got him number eight on my list. Um, you know, he does run in phase, but doesn't always locate the football. 
struggles at times to, to, to find the football a little bit. Um, you know, play sometimes with his back to the back to the football and uh, not able to always get around and, and make a play. Um, but you know, one thing I will say is, is he is in phase. He's usually on the hip, and if we can just get him to to locate the football, not just play the the receiver's arms all the time, but actually turn around and actually locate the ball, he may actually have more interceptions. Um, you know, in his uh, you know um, moving forward, uh, receiver, most explosive receiver. You know, and you talk about Paris Campbell, but I'd argue it's actually KJ Hill. And he's six foot, one hundred ninety eight pounds, a junior. I think he'll be coming back for a senior season. You know, to me, I think that that's a no-brainer, especially if Dwayne Haskins comes back. But uh, just the ability to just be so explosive. You know, there was a drag route. He spun around to avoid the defensive back and got down the field for 21-yard game. Um, showed speed up the seam. Ran, you know, got himself wide open for a 27-yard touchdown to put the game away. Um, to me, K.J. Hill, you know, is probably the best wide receiver when it's all said and done. Not saying a lot because I, you know, I've been more and more impressed with Paris Campbell each and every week. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, KJ Hill, you know, nine receptions, 187 yards, and two touchdowns. Paris Campbell, you know, he, you know, eight receptions, 56 yards in this game. Um, you know, I I, th- I thought what what you really saw for him was. the ability to to just run run excellent routes you know he's another guy who can sink his hips get in and out of breaks very quickly and then just the the speed to get vertical um he's explosive can make you miss uh in the open field so you know to me paris campbell is a guy who um is going to be he'll probably be a third round pick if i had to say um you know he he, you know curtis samuel you, you see where his draft you know draft stock was uh, there with with the Carolina Panthers, I think Paris Campbell will actually grade out a little bit higher than Curtis Samuel when it's all said and done. Um, right tackle um, Isaiah Prince. You know, if there was a, a an offensive version of, of Jordan Fuller's game tape, it was Isaiah Prince, six seven, three hundred and ten pounds. Look, he showed some quick feet. You know, during parts of the game, showed a very um, very quick and deep uh, kick slide, and it was almost too deep because then after that, he had these really you know short steps. The, you know, choppy steps that really didn't go anywhere. Um, there were times where he just ended up flat-footed, and uh, you know everyone was was going around. And you know Carter Coughlin was really making a making a habit out of of just making Isaiah Prince look bad, um, and, and that was something that you know ultimately left him leaning, left him lunging, bending at the waist. Um, just a lot of things that you don't want to see your offensive tackle do. And it was one of those things to where after he 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 started you know with a very nice kick slide um, and would set up. You know, after that, you know, it was just so poor because he just stopped moving his feet. You know, you can't stop moving your feet because then what's going to happen? The guy's going to, you know, the defensive end is going to go right around you. That's going to leave you lunging, leaning, and potentially falling on your face. Um, so Isaiah Prince definitely, um, you know, hurt his his draft stock watching, you know, you put in game film uh, of this game. That's going to hurt your draft stock a little bit because you have to look at it and say, you know what, this guy, you know, is he someone who can uh, can move his feet there on, on the outside? He's playing right tackle. He's not even playing, um, playing left tackle, protecting blind sides. Um, you know, I, I thought he was effective 
in the in the run game, you know, generating some movement in the run game. But if you can't, you know, if you can't be a pass blocker, you know, teams are looking for right tackles who can also pass block. And if he's having a hard time with that, you know, he's going to have to work on some technique. Um, you know, and when you look at guys like you know Cedric Abuehi and, and and guys that are really struggling at the next level, Eric Flowers, um, you know, teams aren't going to be very patient with you. Draymond Jones. Uh, the 6'3", 290-pound junior defensive tackle, very explosive, a guy who who splits double teams, um, you know, on a regular basis. Um, so explosive, you know, shooting the A-gap, uses a, a good arm over and, and rip move, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, he, he's benefited, you know, from having Nick Bosa um, there, and obviously with Nick Bosa not, you know, being out with the the – core muscle injury and now no longer returning to the team um you know you see the emergence of chase young on on the outside but uh, draymond jones is really being relied upon as the guy there in the middle um of that defense he's seeing a lot of double teams he's not able to make you know affect the game quite as much um you do still see some of the speed the power able to to get early penetration into the backfield driving his man into the backfield a little bit as well um you know to me you know, I, I don't think it's an indictment on on his play whatsoever. Um, to me, you know, Draymond Jones is a guy who should be one of the uh, looked at as a first round pick at the defensive tackle position. Just a few more games to get through. Georgia LSU. Um, like I said, Georgia came out on top, or I'm sorry, LSU came on top, 36 to 16. Um, you know, the guys I kept an eye on: Devin White, 13 tackles, half tackle for loss, uh, fumble recovery, and. Uh, um, you know, quarterback hurry. I think one of the things that you really saw with him was just, um, just how active he was. You know, he was able to rush the quarterback, able to drop in coverage a little bit, um, playing sideline to sideline against the run, um, showed the ability to wrap up, also able to to deliver the big hit when necessary. Uh, definitely a leader on uh, on the defense. Um, you know, you, you saw the intelligence. You know, there was a jet sweep. Did a great job reading the ball, flowing outside, uh, dropping the, the runner for, for little game, you know, did an excellent job living out on the perimeter. And really when, when Georgia was having success, they were locating Devin white and putting block, you know, putting the hat on a hat. But, uh, when Devin white was, was free to roam, he was making plays all over the football field. I still like the comparison to Roquan Smith, definitely the leader of the defense, uh, you know, greedy Williams, you know, the six, 297 pound, uh, corner, Man, there was a there was an awesome play. Um, bail technique against uh, Riley Ridley, trailing the receiver. Ball was thrown on a post, and uh, you want to talk about covering some ground, especially you know making up the ground late. Um, you know, like I said, he was he was in in trail technique or bail technique, and you know bail technique and really trailing the play. And uh, man, that ball, you know, it was put up, like I said, on a post out in front of the receiver, was able to get out in front of, uh, of Riley Ridley and knock the pass away. Just so effortless with his, with his, uh, his movement skills, um, you know, and, and really showing off some, some tremendous ball skills. Uh, the other cornerback, um, you know, in this game, DeAndre Baker, 5'11", 185 pounds, elite ball skills. You want to talk about a guy, you know, he's going against Stephen Sullivan, who's 6'7". And uh, you know the ball thrown on a on a regular basis there in the uh, in the red zone you know fades to the end zone and uh, you saw Sullivan trying to high point the football and here's you know DeAndre Baker on one play he out jumped Stephen Sullivan on the other he was reaching across uh, to affect the play um, just 
a knack for for making plays on the football, fluid hips and coverage, just so smooth. Um, those two guys, clearly the top cornerbacks in this year's draft. Uh, hands down, you're definitely going to see them uh, come off the board early. I wish um, you know Grant Delpit would be coming out in this draft. Uh, 6'3", 203 pounds. Uh, the sophomore is just so intelligent. He's so fun to watch. Um, you know, just reads, you know, read a, there was a, a fake on, on the field goal, um, to, to Rodrigo Blankenship and he was able to force the, the kicker back inside, got outside, very intelligent. You know, um, you know, you saw a lot of people crashing off the edge, you know, including Greedy Williams. He stayed at home and, and recognized the play and was ultimately able to, uh, you know, keep it from being a first down. Um, you know, I, you know, closing well on the outside, um, you know, was able to blitz on, you know, and get after the quarterback. You know, when you lead lead the team in sacks and interceptions, I think that says something about uh, the type of player that you are. Um, you know, Lamont Gaylord, uh, or Gaylord, you know, the the center, six two, three hundred eight pounds. You know, definitely a guy who is is solid there in the middle. Um, you know, was repeatedly turning the the nose tackle off the ball. Um, you know, driving him away, creating some separation there. Um, you know, to me, I, I think uh, he's someone that needs to be talked about, you know, when we're talking about the center position. Central Florida, uh, Memphis, 31-20. I'm sorry, 31-30 was the final. Memphis, uh, you know, Daryl Henderson, 31 carries, 199 yards and a touchdown in that game. Did lose a fumble. Um, but, man, the he's just so explosive. So much fun to watch. Um, like I said, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch Memphis play, you got to tune in and watch him. Just able to slip tackles. Um, excellent hands out on the perimeter, um, speed around the edge, gets through the hole, um, you know, and, and just so quick with this acceleration to get down the football field. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the vision, his ability to find the hole, and once he does that, puts his foot in the ground and gets north, north and south in a hurry. Um, you know, like I said, run through tackles, um, able to, to make people, make people miss and honestly just give him a crease and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to make you pay. Um, you know, I, I think Daryl Henderson is, is someone who's going to be a hot name throughout the draft process. And ultimately, if he decides he wants to come out, um, you know, he has a chance to, to really rise up draft boards. Uh, Pat Jasinski, injury alert, you know, 6'1", 236-pound senior uh, leader of the middle of that defense. Um, you know, he, he slipped and went down in the first quarter, limped to the sideline, never did return. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think if you at UCF ultimately wants to get back, um, you know, to another undefeated season, Jasinski has to have a big season and hopefully they can, they can get him back. Um, you know, Trevon Tate, the, the left tackle for Memphis, 6'4", 295 pounds, pretty good leverage off the snap, um, getting under the, 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 the defensive ends pad level, very quick feet on the outside, does a good job mirroring the defensive end. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, that I, I thought was impressive was just, just his ability, you know, sealing off the, the, the linebacker climbing to the next level, the feet to be able to just mirror defensive ends. You know, I thought he, he was able to hold up against the bull rush, very versatile left tackle and someone who's underrated. People aren't really talking about, uh, uh Trevon Tate, but that's a name to watch out for when we get into the pre-draft process, we get him into, uh, you know, the East West shrine game. I think he should get an invite there. Uh, depending on how he plays there, he might even end up in the in the Senior Bowl. Someone who I think could definitely move up draft boards as we get closer and closer um, to uh, to the draft in in April in Nashville, Tennessee. 
obviously Mackenzie Milton, you know, 5'11", 185 pound junior, um, you know, not the biggest guy by any means, but just a baller. You know, this, you know, he reminds you a lot of, of Baker Mayfield with the way that he plays, just that moxie, that swagger, um, you know, the, the, the game winning drive, um, you know, it had a kind of a wobbly pass, but uh, was able to, to fit it in and, and bracket coverage, um, you know, to the tight end, hit him for 24 yards over the middle, you know, really a big play, um, needed to have that done, um, you know, ultimately, um, on that, that touchdown, you know, it was a seven yard touchdown run zone read, pulled it, got to the goal line and ultimately got upended on, you know, on his dive for the touchdown, just a gritty guy. Um, you know, uh, a, a guy who just leaves it all out on the football field, really a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Can he translate to the next level? Again, only five eleven. He's not even six feet tall. Um, you know, so that's going to really going to be the thing that, uh, is going to be against him, but only a junior, so you know we'll, we'll have some time to really study the film a little bit more to see whether or not his game can translate to the next level. Oregon against Washington, man. Justin Herbert, you know, definitely l- legit um, pro prospect. Um, you know, 15 of, of 25, 243 yards, touchdown, and one interception um, on the day. Wait, did I read that right? No, his his stat line: eight, 18 of of 32. 202 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, the other stat line was actually Jake Browning. Um, you know, Browning for me, he started off, you know, two of seven for 32 yards and interception. This is a guy who, when he's in rhythm, he, he he's deadly. But if you put pressure on him, you know, for whatever reason, he wants to continue to retreat and uh, you get him outside the pocket and he, he wants to, you know, wants to force it. Um, and, uh, you know, just com- looks like a comp- completely different quarterback. You saw that against Auburn um, with an ill-advised throw that ultimately resulted in an interception by uh, Jamel Dean. Um, you know, to me, you know, Jake Browning's going to have to cut that stuff out, you know, if, if he's uh, you know, going to get drafted. As it is, you know, yes, he's, a, he's an intelligent quarterback, high football IQ, but he doesn't have the NFL arm strength. Um, you know, he's someone, you know, could be a potential like a Kellen Moore, a guy who could fit onto a, a roster, ultimately be a backup. But uh, I, I just don't know that there's enough to say that he's going to be a, a future starting quarterback at the next level. So back to Justin Herbert. A guy who throws his throw, the anticipation, throws his receivers open, the ball's out of his hand um, before the, the receiver's out of his break, um, and uh, you know allows his receivers to make plays. The biggest issue, like I said, is he, he focuses in on Dylan Mitchell. Um, Dylan Mitchell, eight receptions, 119 yards and a touchdown. The rest of the receivers, you know, they they uh, they had 10 catches. So eight receptions for one one receiver. Uh, everybody else. 10 catches uh, on, on the day. And, uh, you know, if we do the math there, 202 yards total passing and, uh, you know, 119 yards, that's uh, you know, 83 yards, you know, spread around to everybody else. Um, so he's got to do a better job of finding some of these other receivers. He's got some other weapons out on the outside. He's got Jalen Red. Brendan Schooler didn't even catch a pass. Two throw, two catches by uh, by the tight end, Jacob Breland. Um, you know, Kano Dillon, another athletic tight end, just caught one pass. Um, you know, he, he's going to have to spread the ball around a little bit more. Um, but, you know, the, the athleticism is, is definitely there. You see his ability to escape the pocket. He can run a little bit. Um, you know, 65.2% uh, career passer. Um, that's second only to Marcus Mariota there at Oregon, who was at 66.8%. Um, to me, 
clearly the the, the guy um, when you're talking about the, the, the quarterbacks at the next level. And if the New York Giants, if they're listening now, if you end up on the clock, don't think twice. Go ahead and take Justin Herbert and then shore up that offensive line in, in rounds two and three. So let's see, who else can we talk about? Uh, Drew Sample, Washington tight end, 6'5", 251. Uh, the senior, I thought he definitely you know, definitely put some good tape together, you know, blocking Jalen Jelks one-on-one, uh, did a really good job there. Several times was able to, to keep him in front. Jalen Jelks is a guy who uh, you know, has excellent length, 6'6", 245 pounds, a guy who um, shows some pretty good, you know, athleticism and, and can get to the quarterback. Um, having an off year this year, really, you know, I think teams are kind of keying in on him a little bit, um, allowing Justin Hollins to make some plays on the opposite side. Uh, Drew Sample, though, I thought, you know, one-on-one did really well. Also showed his ability to catch some passes in the passing game. Look, Will Disley, you see what he's been able to do a little bit for Seattle before he went down to injury. Uh, but I think Drew Sample can be another one of those Washington Huskies uh, tight ends to ultimately make uh, an NFL roster. Mentioning uh, Justin Hollins, 6'5", 242-pound senior, um, very athletic. You know, this is a guy who, um, you know, is, is instinctive, has a burst around the edge, um, you know, can play the run, can play the pass, can get after the quarterback, um, you know, a versatile defender, and uh, someone who I think teams, you know, I, I, you know, nine tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, four and a half sacks on the year, uh, does a little bit of everything, and uh, a guy that teams are just going to, I think, fall in love with during uh, the draft process. Taylor Rapp, probably the number two or number three safety in this draft. Uh, six foot, 200 pound junior. Um, I believe he has four sacks on the year. Um, able to blitz, um, get underneath the block, ultimately ra- uh, wrap up the running back for no gain. Um, does a good job, you know, coming in the box and playing the run, but also can play as a center fielder, like a, uh, you know, back in coverage, can get after the quarterback, like I said, with the four, um, the four sacks can do a little bit of everything, you know, and that's really what you want to see out of your safeties. You know, I think he's going to get drafted high in this draft. Uh, a lot of people, like I said, you know, in, in the last podcast, high on Byron Murphy, um, 5'11", 183 pounds, a sophomore. Look, you know, to me, I think he needs another year of seasoning, but there's no question the athleticism. You know, he seemed to be con- consistently in phase. Um, he did get juked out pretty badly by uh, Dylan Mitchell on a touchdown. Um, you know, coming across, ultimately got over the top. And uh, you know Mitchell was able to put his foot in the ground and, and ultimately um, get by him. But uh, you saw some ball skills, um, which are which are evident. Um, you know he's someone that I think at the end of the day um, is going to be a first round pick. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. Um, so those are the guys that I really kept an eye on in that game. Um, West Virginia and, and Iowa State. We've talked a little bit already about Will Greer. Kind of a weird game. Um, watching this, you know, Will Greer, 358 total yards per game, third in the FBS, and uh, just seemed to be under duress, you know, for the bulk of the game. Um, you know, it was just, it was weird. It was really weird. I mean, Will Greer finished the game uh, 11 of 15, 100 yards, touchdown and an interception. Iowa State, they usually have one game, one or two games where they just completely frustrate the opponent, and this was it for them. Um, you know, Yadni Kajust, you know, the 6'5", 321-pound uh, senior left tackle, um, showed good feet again, anchored well against the bull rush, although uh, there was a play where, uh, you know, Eni uh, Wazurike, um got a hand in on the quarterback because he was driven, uh, Kajust was driven back 
uh, into the pocket, but does a really good job when he extends his arms into the defensive and you know, is able to drive him away from the pocket. And I think on a run plays, was able to cave in the left side a little bit. To me, he looks every bit uh, a, a guy who could be a, a top 10 tackle for this draft. Um, you know, a couple of names you know to to keep an eye on for for the the next couple of years. Um, you know, one is going to be Greg Eisworth, the safety, does an excellent job um, both in coverage and playing the run. Um, you know, that's that's you know something that that you the instincts are clear. You know, we talked about Taylor Rapp. Greg Eisworth will be next year's Taylor Rapp, um, and then Hakeem Butler. You know, 6'6", 225 pounds. Um, there's so many big receivers in this year's draft. If I'm Hakeem Butler, especially with the way that Brock Purdy, the freshman quarterback, played, uh, has been playing so far this season. And, you know, by the way, Brock Purdy, 18-25, 254 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, um, 11 carries for 39 yards. Um, back to Butler, six receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Um, sorry, all these numbers bouncing around. Uh, Want to make sure that I cover everything. Um, but, you know, Akeem Butler can get vertical, um, can go up and catch the football over the top of a, of a defensive back, can high point the football, um, you know, just so strong after the catch as well. You watch him play and you, the, the basketball skills are evident with this guy, um, you know, and, and then obviously David Montgomery, you know, for this this season. You know, my top running back, um, you know, I talked about Benny Snell possibly sneaking ahead of him, but man, the, the cutback ability, the vision to be able to see the whole um, you know, putting his foot in the ground, able to get back, um, you know, reverse his field. Um, you know, just a really good feel um, for the, you know, the, the cutback lanes. You know, defense, defense is flowing one way. He's going to be cutting back the opposite way. Um, you know, the lateral cuts doesn't, doesn't really lose speed. Um, also, when he gets down into the second level, the stiff arms to, to really finish some runs. Um you know, if, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch David Montgomery and look, Iowa State, the Cyclones, you don't think of them producing, um, you know, top level backs. But I'm telling you, this guy is a player, a guy to really keep an eye out for. There, I said it again. Keep an eye out for. You know, you could have a drinking game over that the number of times that I say it, I swear. <laughs> but uh, let's see what else do we have on our on our agenda here. Um, Houston and East Carolina. Um, Houston getting the victory 42 to 20. And look, this was the Ed Oliver show. Ed Oliver just wreaking havoc. Um, you know, six tackles, two sacks, five total tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry. Um, he was just so quick off, off the ball, just shooting gaps uh, in a hurry. Um, you know, chasing the chasing balls down backside, you know, just so relentless to get to the quarterback. You know, Ed Oliver did not have a sack. Um the entire season and uh, was able to get his first first sack it was actually a strip sack um just you know, excellent burst off the ball to the quarterback um you know got the the strip sack um lost 16 yards ultimately picked up by uh uh mecca agbule who was able to uh, run the ball in for for the score really attacked uh, half a man you know that's really what he does you know he was he was attacking the the, the center attacking the the, the left side Shot through the A gap using good hands um, to get off of that block and get in and, and, and drop the quarterback and, and get his hand in to ultimately uh, force the fumble. Um, you know, and then got a second sack. You know, burst off the ball, speed to power with the arm over, beating the center and the right guard, closing on the quarterback. Got a sack. Um, so he sacked both of the quarterbacks. 
um, that East Carolina put out there, both Reed Herring and uh, uh, Kingsley Ifedi. You know, if he had uh, gotten a sack on Holton Allers, the other, you know, he's more of a running quarterback, but if he had gotten to him, then he would have had the trifecta. Uh, frequent double teams, but he was on, honestly splitting double teams left and right, uh, able to get skinny, uh, shooting gaps, uh, getting tackles for loss, uh, generates a good push up front and then able to spin off of that block uh, to get into the backfield. You know, he plays really low with that low center of gravity. So there are times where he ends up getting driven to the ground. But the thing with it is, is you better hold him there and keep him down uh, because otherwise he's going to get back up and and chase down the football. Um, And then I think the surprise of the year is Nate Harvey. Who? Exactly. 6'1", 225-pound edge rusher. He started as a, as a fullback, then went to linebacker, and now a defensive end. Um, you know, 14 tackles for loss, leads the FBS, 7.5 sacks, um, stand-up defensive end, you know, and you know he would be an outside linebacker at the next level, just so fast um, off the edge. You know, if, if he does get blocked, he gets engulfed by, by the tackles, struggles to get off the blocks, but it's one of those things. He's new to the position, and it's just so explosive to to, to shoot into the backfield, um, you know, quick down the line to wrap up the running back uh, for no game, pursuing backside. Um, you know, it's amazing watching him play. You know, he's a former walk-on. It's amazing that he was a fullback uh, to start out his career. But it was really a lot of fun to watch those two guys, you know, from a defensive standpoint, um, you know, getting after the quarterback on a consistent basis. Alabama, Missouri, 39-10. Alabama with the win. Um, Tua, you know, we we can sit there and spend all, all kinds of time talking about Tua. He didn't really look like himself because of the knee injury, but still uh, put together quite an impressive stat line. Um, you know, 22, uh, 12 of 22, 265, pound, uh, 265 yards with three touchdowns. Um, but, uh, you know, there were some throws where, you know, it, he put them behind some of his receivers. Um, but... You know the, the the touch passes. You know his ability to, to fit fit the ball into tight windows, um, the deep balls. You know able to hit receivers, um, hit Jerry Judy in stride on an 81 yard touchdown. Put put it 53 yards in the air, hit him in stride, allowed him to go the distance. Um, that's what Tua does. You know a lot of those big plays. And uh, you know 6'1", 218 pounds. The sophomore is the Heisman front runner. And you know barring anything crazy. Um, hopefully, you know, in another week, that knee will be be good enough for him to get back out on the football field, and uh, he can basically clinch the Heisman in, in the next few weeks. I talked about Drew Locke. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, it, it it was just kind of you know frustrating to watch him at times. You know, he he would backpedal, and. And rather than get rid of the football or you know, even rolling out as well, rather than get rid of the football, he was taking sacks. There was a safety in the game. Um, and ultimately, um, I think it was Isaiah Bugs and um, uh, Raquan Davis, if I'm not mistaken, driving. Uh, and Bugs really drove, um, drove his man back into the backfield, right basically into the lap of uh, Drew Locke got off the block and, and pulled him down for, for the safety. And Drew Locke basically just stood there and, and, and took it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things, you know, it's one thing with Alabama, you know, you know, with, with covering down, down the football field, but, you know, it's another thing to not even try to make a play. Um, you know, it, it's something that, you know, both Drew Locke and Will Greer fell victim of, 
they got under pressure and they panicked. They panicked and rather than rather than actually get rid of the football and, and force it into coverage, they ultimately took a sack because they, they froze. Um, Jonah Williams, 6'5", 301 pound junior. Um, he's, he's just becoming more and more uh, of a surefire top 10 pick. Um, you know, just the lateral agility, his feet, ability to, to mirror defensive ends and, and pass protection. Um, you know, just that, that a kick slide um, is, is just effortless, you know, very quick out of his stance. And then, you know, the short choppy steps, you know, but the thing with it is, is unlike Isaiah Prince, those short choppy steps, they're getting somewhere in a hurry. They're beating the defensive end to the edge and uh, was doing it on a, on a consistent basis. So athletic to climb to the next level, um, you know, took on defensive backs and, and linebackers and just driving them um, out of the picture. Um, you know, got under the pad level of defensive end, able to stand him up um, in, uh, and drive him back. Um, sustains his blocks well in the running game. Um, to me, he's just he's so he's so quick, he's so agile, and uh, you know he's very physical with his his punch. You know, to to kind of stun the defensive end on their on their rush. Um, to me, I think he's a total package. He's number one offensive tackle. No offense to to Greg Little, um, but you know Jonah Williams you know, should be the top tackle taken off the board. Um, you know, a couple of guys who are really making names for themselves, Isaiah Bugs. Um, you know, we talked about Raquan Davis quite a bit. You know, the six seven, three hundred fifteen pound junior. Um, you know, and that was you know a lot of it was because of his play during the the playoffs. But look, Isaiah Bugs has been a very consistent defensive lineman, and he showed that in this game. We'll be talking about it when we talk about the defensive tackles here in just a little bit. Um, but definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Jerry Judy, uh, vertical threat. Probably going to be the number one wideout, um, you know, in next year's draft. 6'1", 192 pounds. Um, you know, first touchdown, 81 yards. Um, you know, finished the day, three receptions, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but I, I spoke of a couple of guys making a name for themselves this year. Quinnen Williams, um, not only a guy who's getting off blocks and making plays against the run, but also was able to uh, affect the pass. Um you know, got his hand in high on the left guard, basically shoved him all the way back into the backfield to collapse the pocket, um, then an arm over um, to sack um, Drew Locke for that safety. So it wasn't Isaiah Bugs; it was actually Quinn and Williams reading my notes. Um, you know, Terry Beckner, um, you know, for, for Missouri, 6'4", 295 pounds. I think he's going to be a day three uh, defensive tackle. Um, shows really good athleticism coming down the line to make a play on the running back. Um, but also some some mental lapses, had a personal foul, roughing the passer, uh, you know, basically around the head. And you know what happens anytime you hit the quarterback around the head, they're going to call it um, uh, more often than not, um, really almost every time. Um, Damian Harris, look, he's he's continuing. You know what? He's he's growing on me. You know, I, I think when I started the 2019 podcast series, um, you know, I was looking at, at Damian Harris and wasn't really all – all that impressed. He looked like just a guy and uh, he's showing that he can be a lot more than that. And uh, you know, with the versatility running with power, running with speed, uh, you know, the vision, the cutback lanes, you know, 14 carries 62 yards and a touchdown um, off the day, you know, workmanlike for, for Damian Harris and uh, um, Alabama coming away 39, 10 winners. 
uh, Michigan 38 to 13 over Wisconsin. You know, this was basically uh, you know Don Brown putting all kinds of pressure on Alex Hornibrook. Uh, his defense really um, stole the show um, when it was all said and done. Um, David Edwards, the the you know, I'm, I talk about I mentioned David Edwards. I want to talk about the Wisconsin offensive line first. Then we'll get into uh, what Michigan was doing right. Um, you know, David Edwards. Um, you know, would would get some good leverage, but the issue was he was way too, way too far on his toes. So it was one of those things to where he was on his toes, you know, with that leverage underneath Chase Winovich. Winovich was able to get his hands off of him, and where does David Edwards go? If you get on your toes and you put your hands up against the wall and you lean into it, and then you take your hands and you move them off that wall, what is going to happen to you? You're going to fall face first into the ground, and that's exactly what David Edwards was was doing. Um, he also overset to the outside, and uh, Josh Uche was able to to beat him inside with a with a quick inside rush. Uh, you know, Bo Benshaw, um, I thought he did a really good job. You know, getting his hands under the the defensive end, or defensive tackles pad level, um, tried to disengage, but you know showed really good uh, you know, power in his hands. Pulled around, found the linebacker, sealed him off um, so that Jonathan Taylor could have a big gain. Um, so I thought Bobenshaw definitely helped himself. Um, you know, Michael Dieter, look, he's looking more and more like he may end up being the top guard in this draft. Um, very physical at the point of attack, generating all kinds of movement. Um, I think the power was evident, um, you know, and he's generates a big push up front, but, you know, also has that leverage. Uh, and you see the, the left tackle experience playing at guard, especially in the pass protection. Um, so I think that versatility is going to help him throughout this draft process. 6'6", 310 pounds. I may have to move Dieter up in, in my board. I've got Bo Benshaw as, as the number one guard right now. But I think Michael Dieter has a chance to surpass him. And uh, let's see. Uh, TJ Edwards, going back to the defensive side of the football for, for Wisconsin, you know, he, he's a guy who's, who's underrated, I think. You know, 6'1", 242 pounds, a senior. Um, you can drop into coverage, does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes. Um, you know, quarterback vacating the pocket, comes straight downhill to the quarterback, dropping him for, for, a, you know, for a, a, a sack um, in the game. Beat the tight end block to the inside, met the running back in the hole for, for no game. Very decisive. You don't see any wasted movement. You know, he he reads and reacts, trusts his eyes, very instinctive player. A guy who should be a day two pick, but I think he may not test very well. He'll probably end up being a day three pick, but you know, I, I think he'll be starting at the next level um very early on in his career. Olive Sagapolu, 6'4, 340 pounds. Man, just a, a just a a man up front, uh, you know, driving the, the the center off the ball. You know, Cesar Ruiz basically just on on skates, then a rip uh, to get by, flush the quarterback from the pocket, took on uh, Cesar again, uh, another rip move, uh, able to go ahead and uh, you know get the uh, the quarterback off of his point. Uh, you know, Shea Patterson to me, um, you know, the Michigan quarterback, um, you know, did a much better job. You know, in terms of, of his accuracy, I think he's starting to come into his own uh, a little bit, running a more pro-style offense rather than um, running the spread like he's used to. Um, busted off an 81-yard run. Um, I thought that was really impressive with, you know, showing off some of his athleticism. But uh, did a good job, you know, surveying the field, um, dropping back as a quarterback. Um, you know, 
needs to in that system. Finished the day, uh, you know, 14 to 20, uh, 124 yards, um, you know, and, and really, you know, Michigan, you know, the game was never really in doubt. You know, they just, you know, the, the, the defense just seemed to really just get into Alex Hornibrook's head and they made him one dimensional, you know, and, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, to his credit, still rushed for 101 yards on 17 carries, um, averaged 170 uh, rushing yards per game, which was tops in the FBS. You know, the power between the tackles, the leg drive is, is so explosive. You know, he's now, you know, reached 100 yards rushing in 16 of his last 20 games. Uh, very patient to set up the blocks, balance, you know, running uh, off tackle. Uh, Pro Football Focus noted that he's second uh, in the country in yards after contact. Um, you know, the leg drive, you just continue to see him move piles. And then the vision to see the cutback lanes and uh, a stiff arm to finish on the outside. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor can do at the next level. Uh, we'll have to wait another year before that can happen. And then finally, my USC Trojans, you know, put together three. Oh, before we get to USC, uh, Alex Hornibrook, if you're wondering what his stat line was, 7 of 20, 100 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Um, just doesn't, doesn't get it done. Uh, USC, you know, they, they had a, a similar similar success with, with Steven Montez. A lot of his passes really not getting past 10 yards, you know, 26 of 47, 170 yards and an interception. Clancy Pendergast's defense for three quarters really getting it done. Um, you know, Colorado came back in that game but really ran out of time uh, as, as SC, you know, they, they – uh, JT Daniels, you know, showing some, you know, they really had to to rely on JT Daniels throwing the football. Um, you know, the running game just could not get going. He finished the day 18 to 35, 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, starting to settle in as as the quarterback there. Best player on the field for Colorado, definitely LaVisca Chenault, only a sophomore, 6'2", 220 pounds, and uh, you know, he was he was their offense. You know, he went down to a, to an injury and wasn't able to return. Um, but at the time that he went down to injury, let's see, I think they had a stat at the game um, on TV. 81% of their offense at the time that he went down uh, had nine receptions for 72 yards, two carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, basically took the, the ball, um, you know, on uh, around edge and uh, you know, took it for, for a touchdown. He was a wildcat on a third and one play counter hit the gap to the outside, speed to outrun the defense, 51 yards. Um, just a very explosive and powerful wide receiver and uh, a guy who is going to be fun to watch um, throughout the draft process next year. Um, squat 600 pounds, just a, a beast. Uh, Michael Pittman for USC, 6'4", 215 pounds, the junior. You know, there was a, a play down the football field. Um, you know, it was a, a go route, and uh, JT Daniels underthrew the football, uh, the pass a little bit, came back to make the catch, spun away from the defender, got it in for six, finished the day, six receptions, 155 yards, two touchdowns, um, really a breakout game there for Michael Pittman. Um, you know, Iman Marshall, the, the corner for USC, 6'1", 205 pounds, very tight coverage on, uh, on LaVisca Chenault down the sideline, uh, very physical uh, corner. And uh, does a good job, um, you know, staying in phase. Um, has very good ball skills. The problem is, and 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 you know, what happens with Imam Marshall? What gets him into trouble is he's very handsy. It's like he panics. He'll be in position to make a play, but somehow his hand 
um, you know, his, his, uh, his outside hand somehow always ends up grabbing a hold of the receiver, even when he doesn't need to. And even if he's got his arm out there, just keep the arm out there, don't grab the jersey. But he grabs the jersey, and the receiver tries to make a play on the football. And guess what? You got a handful of, of jersey, you're going to call for defensive pass interference. He's got to break himself of that. Um, you know, but my guy, my favorite player in college football, um, hands down is Porter Gustin, 6'5", 265 pounds. Uh, the senior played his last game at USC, um, broken ankle, um, in the, in the fourth quarter, but, uh, he was playing with a, with a bad, bad ankle. Um, but you wouldn't have known that, you know, the, the burst off, off the ball, the speed, the power, this guy just plays with reckless abandon. He's like a bull in a, in a China shop. Um, no finesse with his game whatsoever, but I think that's part of the, the the beauty of it. He's always working to the quarterback, relentless. Um, you know, this was a guy who had a meniscus surgery in August and was on the field for their first game um, against UNLV. Just a, a beast, a workhorse. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated did an article where you know he um, drinks uh, ten thousand calories a day. Um, so you know, basically takes all of his meals. You know, and and blends them all up and, and drinks them. Um, so definitely a different different cat altogether. But uh, you see the the flowing mane uh, underneath the helmet, and he's definitely reminds you a lot of Clay Matthews. Um, but you know his, his ability to drive uh, drive his man back off the football with a bull rush. The very next play, able to bend and get around the corner. Little stiff in the hips, yes, but just a guy who's going to continue to work. Um, very tough. You know, seven tack, uh, seven sacks, ten and a half tackles for loss. Um, just a guy who you know is, is going to go down as one of the better or more exciting pass rushers. You know, you just wish that the guy could stay healthy, and that's really what's going to happen. Is what are the medicals going to look like for Port Augustine? Um, you know, some freak injuries, yes, but the fact is, is he's had quite a few in his four years there at USC. So he's going to have to prove that he, you know, his, um, you know, his injuries, you know, that that he can hold up. Uh, to the rigors, you know, of uh, of a full NFL schedule, um, and that's really what's going to make or break his career ultimately at the next level. So that's what I saw last week. Let's talk about my rankings. Starting with the defensive side of the football, we're going to look at the defensive end, defensive tackles here a little bit. Um, you know, I want to be be mindful of time here a little bit. So we got about a, a half hour. I think that'll be enough to kind of get through some of these rankings. Uh, defensive ends, Nick Bosa is my number one guy, you know, 6'4", 263 pounds out of Ohio State. Uh, the junior, um, look, he played his last game at Ohio State, you know, three game, in, in these three games, 14 tackles, six uh, for loss, four sacks on the day, you know, had a touchdown, you know, that was that fumble recovery in the end zone, um, a forced fumble to his credit as well. Um, the, the the core muscle injury, he wasn't going to be able to return until November but uh, ultimately, he's looked at it at, you know, from the standpoint of he's going to be a top five, probably a top three pick, arguably could very well be the number one overall pick. Um, and uh, he's taking the approach that uh, Leonard Fournette, Miles uh, Jack, guys like that, um, you know, the thing, the difference with Miles Jack and his knee was that was a, a concern. You know, there's some issues with his knee. Um, the the core muscle injury, from what they're saying, is not something that uh, the league's really going to be concerned about. So he finished his career uh, in Columbus, 29 tackles for loss, 18 sacks, 
the the hand usage is something that I think jumps off the tape. Um, you know, his ability to, to use his hands, he's so explosive off the football um, and, and was virtually unblockable this year. Um, you know, Nick Bosa, you know, I'm, I'm really bummed that he's not coming back to school only because I wanted to see him play more there for Ohio State. Won't get a chance to see that again. My number two defensive end, don't look at the website right now. Uh, website, I, I think, is a little out of date. Uh, no, actually, I do have it up to date. Uh, Montez Sweat, 6'6", 245 pounds. Look, for a while, I had him penciled in as a um, as an outside linebacker. But look, you know, I, I understand the comparisons with, uh, with, with Jason Taylor are real in terms of the measurables. A lot of people have compared him to Jason Taylor. I'm comparing him to Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter, for me, I looked at him and said, there's no way he can play defensive end. He's going to have to be an outside linebacker at the next level. And uh, he, he's proven me wrong, and he's actually having a pretty good career there for uh, um, for the Vikings. Montez Sweat, uh, so far on the year, 10, ta- 10 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, uh, a total of 20 in his career. Um, and that's just, you know, in... in Really, two seasons with uh, with the Bulldogs. Had one year there with uh, with Michigan State uh, in twenty fourteen. Played in one game. Got to the quarterback once in that game. Um, but you know the long arms are evident. You know the the the, the quickness off the ball. Um, you know the the hips. You know to me. You know you look at Montez Sweat. I think those are things that definitely jump out. Uh, Cleveland Farrell. Um, I think everybody's known known him. Uh, known who he is since uh, his redshirt freshman season when he garnered the defensive player of the game honors in the in the national title game but uh so far this year you know eight tackles at tackles for loss six sacks on the year um you know in his three years there at Clemson 38 and a half tackles for loss 22 sacks um 133 tackles so far on the year or I mean um in his career as well um just excellent length you know, and and the burst off the ball so explosive. You know, yes, he's playing on a defensive line with with Austin Bryant and, and and Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, but he's clearly the best uh, pro prospect of the bunch, and uh, just so explosive off the edge. Um, number four for me is Rashawn Gary, and I'll probably get you know get a little bit of heat for this. Uh, 6'5", 281 pounds. But look, you know Rashawn Gary. Everyone sees the athleticism. You know he finished last season eleven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, very active, fifty eight tackles from the defensive end position. But look. I want to see uh, this guy make some plays and make it on a consistent basis. You know, the, he's getting outplayed right now by by Chase Winovich on the other side, who's really played himself into the first round discussion. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary, you know, he takes it seems like he takes too many plays off. You know, he can handle guys one on one and uh and be explosive, but I can't give him a you know a, a top five, you know, billing. I can't even, you know, justify taking him in in the top 10 he's more of a guy who you'll see taken in the in the teens um because i think that's really where you know a a guy like him who has that potential the first round potential um and the potential to be a a beast at the next level um and that's really where you where you expect it you know he's battling the, the shoulder injury out the last couple of games five total games played in 2018 18 total tackles Three and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. And look, you know, it's not so much that he's seeing double teams because look, if you try to double team him, you got Chase Winovich on the other side, who's probably drawing single, um, single, uh, single block. You know, just a single blocker, and you can't block him one on one, and uh, and expect to uh, expect to handle him. 
Obviously, you know, number five for me then has to be Zach Allen, uh, 6'5", 285 pounds out of Boston College. Um, you know, 100 tackles a season ago, um, just so relentless. You know, it's very athletic, coming off the edge, relentless in his pursuit of the quarterback. And uh, to me, um, you know, just continues, you know, he his play right now um, is allowing another guy there at Boston College, Wyatt Ray, um, to have a huge year. You know, he, he's actually among the, the sack leaders so far this year with eight and a half sacks um, coming in off the edge. You know, he, he's Wyatt Ray's having such a big year that he's now thrust himself into uh, the draft discussion. But, you know, Zach Allen, the leader of the defense, you know, using the, the, the length that he has, um, you know, and, uh, you know, 10 pass breakups on the outside um, does a pretty good job, you know, um, finding the football. Um, has an interception, you know, in each of the last two seasons as well. Um, to me, Zach Allen is a guy who's going to be a first round pick as well. Top five definitely make a whole lot of sense. I'm looking at my bottom five and I, I just don't know, you know, Jalen Jelks, you know, has been a guy that, uh, has been a playmaker and he looked like a cross between, uh, Eric Armstead and, uh, and, um, DeForest Buckner. But this year, the, the, the level of play has really dropped off. You know, 6'6", 245 pounds. You see the athleticism. Um, but a lot of times, I, I, you know, I talked about how he was, he was blocked by, by Drew Sample. He's going to have to pick up his play here in the second half of the season, impact 12 play, if he wants to really see that draft stock rise. You know, a season ago, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. This year, just four uh, tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Look, you know, it's not so much even that he's he's seeing the the double coverage, like I said, because Justin Hollins over on the other side is making more plays, and, and that's one of the things you know Chase Winovich, um, and and Justin Hollins are guys that are outplaying the bigger names, and uh, you know when you see that happen, you know at some point you're gonna have to sit there and, and single. Um, bring a single blocker to cover both of those guys, and uh, you know you really want to see him make those plays, and you're just not seeing that happen. Austin Bryant, you know, six six, two hundred eighty pounds out of Clemson. Um, you know, I think he's he's someone who's going to continue to be be steady there. Probably, uh, you know, a, a, a day two pick. Um, Joe Jackson out of Miami, not the most explosive guy, but a guy who just knows how to get to the quarterback. Um, ten and a half tackles for loss in each of his first two seasons, um, and had fourteen sacks coming into this year. Nine tackles for loss and four and a half sacks already. Um, has an interception for for forty two yards that he took for took back to the house. Three pass breakups already. A couple of forced fumbles. Uh, Joe Jackson to me is a guy who should be moving up draft boards. He'll probably be my number six uh, defensive end when it's all said and done. Um, here looking at at at, at this crop right now. Um, you know, Jalen, Jalen Ferguson, you know, 6'5", 255 pounds out of, uh, um, Louisiana tech, um, huge sophomore year, 14 and a half tackles for, or I'm sorry, 14 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks. Um, this year, eight, uh, tackles for loss and six sacks already. Um, you know, he's n- close to, um, you know, really at the end of the year, he may eclipse 40 sacks in his career. He's at 34 right now, uh, 49 and a half total tackles for loss. You know, he's a guy who's who's very raw. You know, when you watch him rush the quarterback, you see a lot of arm flailing and, and things like that. But he just he's a guy who gets the gets the job done. Very athletic, you know, and, and a guy who, you know, I, I need to start moving him up my board as well. I'm looking at some of these guys. I think he's out playing Jalen Jelks right now. Um 
definitely a talented guy. I haven't gotten to watch Louisiana Tech play just yet this year, but got to watch him um, frequently a season ago. Um, last season, not as big a year getting after the quarterback. Looks like he's already stepped up his game thus far um, on, on the year this season. A couple of other guys to to mention um, that I don't have rated in my top five right now. Charles Omenahu, 6'6", 275 pounds out of uh, Texas. Um, you know, uh, six sacks so far in the year, eight tackles for loss, playing the three, four, um, you know, the five technique there in, in Texas's three, four scheme. You know, I think he could be a three, four defensive end at the next level. Um, excellent power, uh, the speed, the power, you definitely see that along with, uh, Kingsley Kiki out of, uh, Texas A&M, he's 6'4", 305 pounds. Um, he's actually dropped weight. He's down to, I believe about 280, about 280 pounds now. And, uh, you see that explosiveness, you know, he's never had more than than four sacks in his in his three years with uh, with the Aggies prior to this year. Already seven tackles for loss, five sacks. That explosiveness, you're going to see him continue to rise up draft boards as the season goes along. Those are my defensive ends. Um, some guys to keep an eye out for. Um, looking at the defensive tackle position now, you know, we really have to spend uh, um, you know the final what. 20 minutes or so talking about the defensive uh, tackle position because there are so many defensive tackles to talk about. And really the first guy we've talked about him you know, quite a bit already in this podcast, but that is absolutely Ed Oliver. Um, you know, Ed Oliver to me, um, you know, he's going to be a top five pick. It really depends on, on who's up there at the top. Um, you know, he could be a, a three, four defensive end. You could play him, you know, stand up, rushing the quarterback. The footwork is tremendous. So explosive off the football, just a tireless worker, already 50 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. You know, he's playing the, the nose, uh, nose tackle position there for, uh, for Houston, not going to be his, his, uh, his position at the next level, but just, he's so, so explosive off the football that at first step, the hand usage, um, you know, able to shoot gaps in a hurry and, uh, you know, plays the run in the past so well. Um, 10 pass breakups in his career, five forced fumbles. Um, Ed Oliver, you know, if you, if you don't know, now, now, you know, he's the, he's the guy, you know, as a freshman, 22 tackles for loss, you know, freshman, all American, um, a season ago, 16 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, um, you know, and, the East Carolina, you know, he hadn't had a sack on, on the year and then explodes for two in one game, including one that uh, was a strip sack that led, led to the, the touchdown by the linebacker at Boulay. Um, Ed Oliver, like I said, definitely a top five pick. Um, right now I have uh, Dexter Lawrence sitting there at the number two overall uh, defensive tackle, 6'5", 340 pounds. As the season wears on, um, I really want to watch Clemson play against some of the, you know, better competition there, especially in the ACC. Um as a freshman, you know, eight and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, 62 tackles. And since then, he's really been the guy that's been counted on to absorb multiple blockers. When you talk about defensive tackles taken in the top 10 to 15 picks, you look at guys like uh, like Dontari Poe or, uh, or um, Vita Vea, you know, guys who were able to show that they can rush the passer and uh, and play the run. Guys that were primarily run defenders, you know, the the, the uh, Jaron Reeds and the Ashawn Robinsons and guys like that, you know, they they saw their draft stock drop, and uh, so that's really what I want to watch more of with Dexter Lawrence is how is he affecting the pass? We know that he can take on multiple blockers and allow linebackers and 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 the ends to make plays, but uh, what can he really do against the pass? Can he affect the pass himself? Um, and that's really I think what's going to set things apart for him. 
Um, number three on my list is uh, is Draymond Jones. Talked about him before, uh, but we'll talk about him a little bit now. 6'3", 295 pounds, the junior for Ohio State. So athletic. Another guy who's very explosive off the football, shooting the A-gap. Um, you know, can play uh, defensive end in a 3-4 as well. Uh, 6'3", 295 pounds. Um, you know, hadn't had hadn't been the guy who's really getting after the quarterback much. Five and a half sacks so far on the year. Um, I went back and took a look at it. It wasn't just the games that Nick Bosa was playing in, although the first game against uh, Oregon State had two sacks, and a big part of that was because of Nick Bosa. But uh, a guy who I think can, you know, he's been seeing a lot of double teams, um, but definitely very athletic and uh, a guy who can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, next guy on the list is Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. If you haven't watched him play, he's 6'7", 305 pounds, um, violent, violent hands. That's one of the things that I think really jumps off uh, the, the tape. You see the head slaps. You see his ability to just um, get to the get to the quarterback in a hurry. The hand usage um, is, is just uh, very impressive. You know, it had five and a half sacks in his um, – in his career, at, you know, at Notre Dame, now has six already on the on the year. Um, you know, so able to to affect the the quarterback and and really, you know, collapse the pocket. You know, not only with with speed, but it also has some power to him as well. Excellent length. Um, just a guy who you know is he's he's really growing into his own. You, know, you look at uh, some of the stat lines from from the you know the last few years, and then you know you this season kind of jumps out to you um, with, with the ability to, uh, you know, his ability to make plays. Um, you know, I thought he was much more of a finesse guy um, in, in years past. This year you see a lot of the power. You see, you know, some of the nastiness to him, the the, the hands, um, you know, beating guys off the ball with his hands. That's really what you want to see um, out, of, out of a defensive lineman. The, you know, 6'4", 301-pound junior Defensive tackle from Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, another guy. You know he hasn't gotten to the quarterback this year. Had five sacks a season ago, but already with nine and a half tackles for loss. You know it, it's really I think he's allowing you know Montez Sweat to, to get to the quarterback. He's just making plays and affecting things. Um, you know getting early penetration into the backfield. Um, just another guy who's very difficult to block one on one. The issue really for him is you know there's. Um, you know, is he the, the character concerns? You know, there was a video that was released, um, you know, with with some of the you know an altercation with a female. Um, you know, so is that going to affect his draft stock? We saw, you know, Joe Mixon. You know, he he ultimately fell into the second round. All it takes is one team. You know, a team that really you know likes the kid to to make a difference. One of the things that you don't like with Jerry uh, Jeffrey Simmons is, you know, he gets he's very excitable. He's a guy who's going to end up drawing some penalties because you know teams can get under his skin, and he really needs to watch that um, for the rest of the season. Can he adjust uh, to to some of that? Derek Brown out of Auburn, 6'5", 316 pounds, the junior. Excellent power in his hands. I think that's one of the things that just jumps off the film is, is you see the, the power, you know, the ability to just jolt that, that offensive tackle and, and or offensive lineman and drive him back. Uh, can play, you know, was playing in, um, you know, as a 3-4 defensive end, also playing uh, at defensive tackle, you know, really playing all over the line there for, for Auburn. Um, a guy who... You know, really because of that that power that he you know with which he plays, you know, he's able to take on multiple blockers, which allows you know Deshaun Davis, the the middle linebacker, uh, to really clean up. 
you know, and, and that's one of the things that you really see quite a bit is, is Derek Brown doing a lot of the dirty work and then, uh, you know, Deshaun Davis making some plays behind him, but that's part of his job. Uh, Christian Wilkins, you know, coming in at number seven, look, Christian Wilkins, I think I had him at number two or number three at the beginning of the year. Um, and it's one of those things for me, you know, he's, he's athletic, he's six, four, 310 pounds, um, you know, 32 career tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks has shown that he can play, uh, you know, both, both uh, defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I think at the next level, he could definitely be a, a three, four end, um, reminds me a lot of, of Jonathan Allen out of Alabama coming back for a senior season and uh, very consistent, but he's not a guy who's going to wow you. Um, I think there are some other guys that are, that are more athletic, some guys that have a little bit more power, uh, than, than him. And that's kind of why he's fallen down some of the draft boards. Um, and I think that's some of the things that people said about Jonathan Allen as well. Raquan Davis. You know, we, I mentioned him before, 6'7", uh, 305 pounds, just a big, big dude. Um, you know, not having a huge year this year. He's kind of been, you know, kind of been quiet for the most part. Um, you know, started to, to have, make, make some plays there against, uh, against Missouri, um, getting in and getting us, uh, in on a sack, um, excellent length. You know, and a guy who I think can be, you know, he's also lined up as a defensive end in their 3-4 scheme there. Um, you know, to me, he's somebody that, you know, if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't watch out, you know, in terms of his his level of play, um, there's some other guys in this talented draft class that are going to ultimately surpass him. So he's one of those guys, if he, if he continues to produce where he's at, um, I, I think Raekwon Davis ultimately probably won't even end up uh, coming out this year. Um, Daniel Wise out of Kansas, you know, uh, an explosive um, interior uh, interior lineman, um, you know, and he's kind of creeping up into into my draft class. Um, you know, 15 total sacks, 37 and a half tackles for loss, had 16 behind, tackles behind the line of scrimmage a season ago. Um, just so quick off the ball. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, is really in common with a lot of these guys. Um, to me, I think he plays with, with a good pad level, always seemed to be, you know, when he played against, uh, um, you know, some stiffer competition playing against, uh, West Virginia was able to, uh, shoot the a gap and, and make plays behind the line of scrimmage, that quick penetration, uh, something that, you know, if you were playing for for another team, I think he'd be getting a lot more publicity. But as the season progresses and really the draft process progresses, that's going to be a name that you're going to be hearing people talk about. As is Isaiah Bugs. You know, I, I mentioned Isaiah Bugs before. Um, you know, last season was his first year with Alabama. Uh, 51 tackles, just one and a half sacks, four tackles for loss. Already with seven and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks on the year, showing some explosiveness as a three-four defensive end. That's probably where he's going to end up. He'll probably be in my defensive end rankings when it's all said and done. Um, but definitely someone who I, I can see playing uh, the, the five technique at the next level and uh, getting after the quarterback and making some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Ricky Walker from uh, from Virginia Tech. You know, Ricky Walker. Um, you know, another guy, very explosive, power in his hands, uh, able to drive his, his guy back. The last couple of games that I've watched for Virginia Tech, I haven't seen the explosiveness, haven't really seen him getting off the ball, and that's really because he's been double teamed. He hasn't been able to uh, to affect the, the, the quarterback as much because he's been seeing so many double teams. 
you know, just three tackles for loss and a half a sack to his credit. Um, he needs to get some help there, but I think what's really going to help him is some of the earlier game film um, in his career. And, uh, you know, I think the draft process is really what's going to help him. Um, one guy that I didn't mention in my top 10 that I really need to add is Quinn and Williams, you know, the redshirt sophomore. Um, his play, his ability to um, get the early penetration using the hands, his ability to convert the speed to power with, you know, with the quickness off the ball in getting into his man and driving his man back into the backfield like we saw against Missouri. He showed that he can affect the pass as well as the run. Um, you know, he's playing nose guard right now for, for Alabama, but he's undersized, 286 pounds, can play the three technique at the, at the next level, possibly even a 3-4 uh, defensive end, um, you know, be a five technique. Bama, you know, does he come back? Does he enter the draft? I think he comes back. That's why I don't have him up here right now. Um, I'll probably wait to put him into my my top ten until uh, you know until we get to January and we know whether or not he's going to be entering the draft. But uh, a name to definitely watch out for. And then two other names to to keep an eye for is uh, Gerald Willis. Uh, one is Gerald Willis, a third um, out of Miami, six four, three hundred pounds, one of those single digit uh, defensive tackles. Um, uh, it, you know, single-digit number defensive tackles, uh, wearing number nine, um, thirteen tackles for loss already. Um, just showing, you know, again that first-step quickness, you know, his ability to shoot the a gap, get the early penetration, make tackles for loss. Um, you know, and and he's teams have tried to double-team him. He splits the double team, uses his hands very well, and uh, you know, Cincinnati. Has two. They they have two defensive tackles. You know, Luke Fickle has him ranked in in, uh, in the top twenty five, and uh, Cortez Broughton, 6'2", 290 pound uh, interior lineman. You know, um, this year is really a breakout year for him. You know, twelve tackles for loss, six sacks. Um, but when you watch Cincinnati play, you know I think he plays very well uh, alongside. Um, another explosive defensive tackle in, in Marquise Copeland, six three, two hundred ninety pounds. Um, you know, a season ago had eight tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. His, you've seen some of his uh, production drop this year. I think a lot of that reason is because you know teams are focusing on him, which is opening up things for Cortez Broughton. But I think those are two guys that you definitely have to keep an eye on. Um, one guy who I'm hoping um, comes back for a senior season is uh, Johanna Gaffon out of uh, Wyoming, 6'4", 295 pounds. I talked about him earlier in the year. You know, 20 tackles for loss, 10 sacks coming into the season. And, you know, Wyoming struggled uh, mightily this year um, against some of the stiffer competition. And, uh, you know, six tackles for loss, one sack. You know, he has had four uh, pass breakups on, on the year. But, uh, you know, to me, I think, you know, he needs to, to come back uh, for a senior season and put together, you know, a, a big year. You know, because I think he has the athletic ability. Uh, but right now, he's probably with all this talent here at uh, at the defensive tackle position. He needs to come back for a senior year to really be considered a, a second day pick. I think right now he'd probably be you know somewhere mid to late day three. So those are my rankings for the defensive end and defensive tackle positions. Um, so really what we have to do now, now that we've gotten through all of that, is what does the weekend ahead look like? we got to talk about the weekend ahead. Um, you know, as I'm taping this, you know, Stanford up 13-6 to over Arizona State. 
Um, thus far, JGR Sega Whiteside looks like five receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, that's looks like that's the difference. After that, it's basically a battle of field goals. Um, Arkansas State beating uh, Georgia State uh, 51-35. Justice Hansen, the, the quarterback there, haven't gotten to watch Arkansas State play yet, but he's a guy that I definitely want to want to break down and take a look at. Um, so let's see, getting through the rest of the season or the rest of the schedule here. Uh, Boise State, you know, Brett Rippon is going to be able to rebound against Colorado State, three and four on the year, but they are two and one in Mountain West play. Um, you know, uh, Ola B.C. Johnson and Preston Williams, the receivers, Preston Williams among the nation's best with 671 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, Air Force taking on UNLV, um, you know, running back that not many people know about, Lexington Thomas, uh, there for UNLV, the diminutive one, um, that's the late game there tomorrow on Saturday. Let's see the early games, Michigan, Michigan State. Um, you know, I think that's definitely a game that everyone gets up for um, there. Uh, they'll be playing in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium. Um, see if Sparty can can upend the Wolverines, uh, who are 4-0 in Big Ten play. Uh, Michigan State, ranked number 24 in the country. Um, you know, Brian Lewerke, you know, what's he going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to get the ball to, to Felton Davis, you know, David Long and Lavert Hill, the cornerbacks on the outside. Are they going to be able to block Chase Winovich coming off the edge? Is Rashawn Gary healthy yet to get back out onto the football field? Interior, or I'm sorry, the inside linebacker, uh, Devin Bush plays all over the field. Um, you know, as does Joe Bocci for, for Michigan State. It's going to be a fun game to watch. OU going down to uh, Fort Worth, taking on TCU. Um, Kyler Murray show, you know, this is going to be an angry Oklahoma team. They're now ranked number nine in the country after the loss of Texas in the Red River rivalry. You know, I do not want to be TCU. I think you see Kyler Murray early and often um, getting the ball to Marquise Brown, 675 receiving yards, seven touchdowns on the year. Um, Iowa, Iowa is five and one. They're ranked number 19 in the country. Nate Stanley over 1,400 yards passing, 15 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, you want to watch Iowa play. Uh, I talked about Cincinnati. They're ranked number 20 in the country. They're taking on Temple. I talked about Temple's running back, uh, you know, Raquel uh, Armstead. And uh, Cincinnati has a has a good one as well. And, and Michael Warren, uh, Cincinnati has, has Broughton. And, uh, and um, oh gosh, Copeland. Thank you. Yeah, I just remembered. Um, you know, they're on on the interior of the defensive line, so that'll be an interesting matchup going up against uh, you know Rock uh, Armstead there uh, carrying the football. Uh, can Wisconsin rebound? They're taking on Illinois. Um, they're at Camp Randall. Um, Buffalo again, one of my favorite teams. Can they make it seven and one? They're taking on Toledo at the Glass Bowl. Um, let's see what else do we have. Auburn can they rebound? They're four and three. Ole Miss quietly a five and two program. Um, watching Ole Miss, you know AJ Brown and uh, and Greg Little uh, get to watch them play. Greg Little against uh, Auburn's vaunted uh, defensive front. Uh, DK Metcalf neck injury out for the year. Sophomore uh, receiver, big receiver, six five guy. Um, talked about him in my top top ten for receiving, and uh, you know I think he comes back to Ole Miss now with that that neck injury. 
So as we get through, you know, those are probably the games to watch out for. You know, Virginia, they're 4-2. Duke is 5-1. and one. What's going on in the ACC, right? Um, but I think that'll be a game that should be interesting. Uh, Olamide Zakitas um, is definitely a lot of fun to watch there for Virginia. You know, obviously Daniel Jones there for Duke. Um, let's see, what else do we have as we scroll through here? Um, we get into the afternoon games. Bama taking on Tennessee. Will Tua be playing? That'll be the biggest question there. NC State undefeated. They're 5-0, 2-0 in ACC play, ranked number 16 in the country, going to Clemson, taking on the Tigers. Uh, Ryan Finley, um, you know, over 1,600 yards passing. Um, you know, Travis Etienne, you know, the sophomore. We talk about, uh, you know, a lot of the other, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers coming into the year, a lot of the sophomore running backs. You know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, Understandably so there for Wisconsin. Uh, but Travis Etienne has, has quietly been one of the best running backs in the country, 761 yards and 11 touchdowns. But can Clemson in that defense, um, can they handle Ryan Finley? Can they handle Kel- Kelvin Harmon on the outside? Jacoby Myers, um, that's a team. It'll be a fun game to watch. That's probably the game of the afternoon. Uh, Washington, number 15 in the country, taking on uh, Colorado. The biggest question is going to be, is LaVisca Chenault going to be able to play in that game? Um Let's see. What else do we have as we scroll through? Take a look at the schedule. Uh, Florida State three and three. Wake Forest three and three. That might be an interesting contest to keep an eye on. Minnesota, Nebraska. Can Nebraska uh, get their first win of the season against the Golden Gophers? Are playing at home. That's the good news. Bad news is is they're gonna have to face Carter Coughlin. Uh, you know Tyler Johnson catching the football. Ibrahim, the running back. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but, uh, you know, Nebraska is going to have to protect Adrian Martinez against uh, Minnesota's defense. Um, Memphis and Missouri. That'll be an interesting game. Missouri three and three Memphis four and three Daryl, Daryl Henderson now with, uh, over 1300 yards, uh, on the ground, 13 touchdowns, that explosive Memphis, uh, offense going against the Mizzou defense that got beat up a little bit against Alabama. Um, you know, they showed a pretty good job against the run. So that run defense going against, uh, Daryl Henderson will be fun to watch, but expect Brady White to air the football out against Missouri and can Drew Locke spread the football around. If Emmanuel Hall and Nate Brown are back, you could see some explosive fireworks. But if they're not, can he find the open man down the football field? Uh, Let's see. Evening games, LSU taking on Mississippi State. Um, That's going to be a fun game to watch. Joe Burrow leading the way for LSU. Uh, Mississippi State with Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, and then Nick Fitzgerald uh, running the football um, you know, Devin White's going to be very busy in that one. Uh, da, 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 as we scroll through, um, Ohio State taking on Purdue at Purdue, uh, Ross Aid Stadium. Um, you know, obviously Dwayne Haskins, you know, Dwayne Haskins over 2,300 yards and 28 touchdowns. Um, you know, let's see, is he, yeah, it, it, it's mind-boggling what, what he's been able to do, but uh, Ohio State's going to have to have to cover Rondale Moore, the, the special freshman, 558 yards through the air and uh, and five touchdowns, very explosive. Oregon taking on Mike Leach's crew, uh, uh, Washington State, you know, number 25 in the country, their only loss to USC, uh, taking on Oregon, and uh, they're 
taking them on, on in the Palouse. You know, that's going to be the place that you want to want to do that. Uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, a, a sleeper name there at the quarterback position. Uh, the the graduate transfer from East Carolina, over 2,400 yards passing and 19 touchdowns. Can Justin Herbert go into a hostile environment and come away with a win? Vanderbilt, we saw they were tough against Florida. They're very a game imp- opponent. Uh, going into Kentucky, number four ranked uh, Wildcats, Benny Snell uh, taking on Kyle Shermer's uh, you know, quarterback there for Vanderbilt. Should be an interesting game. Vanderbilt, much different offense when they have Keyshawn Vaughn carrying the football. Uh, getting through here, USC taking on Utah. That's going to be an interesting game. You know, Utah's knocked off the you know the likes of Stanford. That was a team that USC had trouble with. Um, without Porter Gustin, you know, rushing the quarterback, um, USC I think is going to be in trouble defensively. They haven't really been able to put put uh, pressure on the quarterback, you know, which you know that that's going to be a, a huge issue. Um, USC four and two, three and one in the Pac-12 play. Utah four and two, two and two in Pac-12 play. This is going to more than likely be uh, for the uh, Pac-12 South crown. Um, I, I think that's ultimately the winner of this game. That's really what you're going to see. You know, I expect Utah to to come out with a victory just because they're playing there at home in Rice Eccles Stadium. Um, but uh, you can never count out the Trojans. If the Trojans can string together an entire game, they're going. You know, then um, you know that's really the the biggest thing the teams are going to have to watch out for is they haven't been able to do that yet. If they're able to to put that together, then uh, you know who knows what can happen. Um, North Texas and UAB. What? That's a, that, that's a game to watch. Absolutely, North Texas six and one on the year. UAB five and one on the year. Um, you know three and zero in conference USA. North Texas their lone loss was in in conference play, uh, playing at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Mason Fine. You know, quarterback that nobody's really talking about. Over 2,200 yards passing, 16 touchdowns. Uh, North Texas just really um, you know, put making a name for themselves, as are the Blazers. But, uh, you know, another guy to watch out for with North Texas is EJ uh, Ajiwa, uh, their, their linebacker. Uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. A lot of fun to watch there. Uh, covers a lot of ground. Uh, and that's probably the... Best game after that, uh, Nevada. You know they have uh, Malik uh, Reed, the outside linebacker. Uh, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, three forced fumbles. Um, he'll be leading the Wolfpack defense, and uh, leading the Hawaii defense is Jelani Tavai. You know after sitting out the first game of the season, he's averaging 11.3 tackles per game. One of the best inside linebackers in all of college football, Hawaii on the year. Uh, 6-2, and 3-0 in Mountain West play. Nevada, 3-4 and four on the year. Looking to hopefully be become bowl eligible. Um, so that'll definitely be an, an interesting matchup. They're playing in Hawaii, so it's going to be a very, very, very late game. Uh, but I think it's definitely a game that, that could be worth staying up for. Um, you know, a lot of different, uh, different playmakers in that game that... Uh, you know, you, you don't get a, a chance to see very often. So if you, you get a chance to, to watch that game, definitely tune in. So it looks like we've come to an end. You know, like I said, week seven of the college football season is over. We're on to week number eight. 
Um, next thing you know, we're going to blink and we're going to be through the month of October. Again, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, listening to the Ready for the Draft podcast. You know, I do everything I can uh, to see as many football games as I can so that I can speak intelligently to you each and every week, whether you're listening to it on uh, listening to the podcast on Apple iTunes, um, you know, iHeartRadio. I uh, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, wherever you're you're getting this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hope everybody has a good weekend. Enjoy the weekend of college football. And uh, until then, take care, everyone. I am out of here.